Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, yeah, that's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen a running back uh, do this. Uh, and, Kevin, I highlighted this to close out the show yesterday. The reason that this is such a big deal, and I'm surprised that it's taking this. I'm surprised that we're in June and this is happening. I think this is something that should have been brought to the attention of the Vikings a lot sooner. Uh, I don't know if Cook just realized this or what. But, I mean, when you look at the list of running backs that are going to be available next year's free agency, it's unreal. It's not just the length of the list of the running backs that are on there. I mean, it, it is straight up the talent that is on that list as well. That's going to be the, the main thing that you're going to keep an eye on and say, holy smokes, like that. Trust me, there's going to be teams that are willing to lose their talented running back because there's going to be another thousand yard back on the market that you can say, is that back as talented as the guy we had? No, but. Again, for a much cheaper price, we're going to be able to get that guy. Some of the names on that list, yes, Joe Mixon is a name that will be a free agent after the end of next season. Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. Uh, I mean, you look at Mack out of the Colts. Uh, I mean, look, the list goes on and on. And the bottom line is is that there are going to be plenty of opportunities for teams to get a running back next offseason. And I don't think there's going to be too many teams lining up trying to extend their current running back. Now, with that being said, Dalvin Cook has one year left at $1.3 million. Kirk Cousins, with all the money that he has made, making, all right, then you take a look at the money that they gave Kirk Cousins. Cousins is going to make more in one season than the money that Cook is asking for. Kirk Cousins is going to make more money in one season than what Dalvin Cook is looking to make in three, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) And like, look, me and you got back and forth about this when it came to Zeke Elliott. I never argued that Zeke wasn't good or wasn't good enough to ask for that money. I just thought that because of how many running backs are out there, he should not have received that money from the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to say the same thing about, obviously, Cook, mainly because I don't think the Vikings are in position to do that. You've already put a ton of money into your quarterback. You have lost Stephon Diggs. That's a problem right there. Um, but, again, the running back position, we've seen this this franchise lose out on one of the best running backs ever in Adrian Peterson, and then they find themselves with Cook by the end of the decade. That right there should scream, hey, we can get running backs. They're easier to come by than most positions. I mean, look, you lose a quarterback, you're fighting for decades, it seems, to find your next great quarterback. Not everyone's Mike has fort- got a great quarterback right now? No, what I mean is, is like <laughs> when you lose an Adrian Peterson, when you lose an all-time great, it's not often where another all-time great just replaces that great. I know there was a gap in there before Cook got here, but my point is, is that they seem to stumble on great running backs quite often, especially in this last decade. Who's to say they can't do it again? You lose a quarterback, even a good quarterback, it's tough to come by another good quarterback at that. That's why the Dallas Cowboys are in the situation that they're in. I don't think that the Cowboys look at Dak Prescott and say, oh, he's the best quarterback of the National Football League, but they damn sure know he's not the worst, and they know just how hard it is to find someone right in the middle. And I think he's better than above the middle, but that's where we're at right now. People have to be, Teams have to be very strategic with where their money goes. It's easy to say the quarterback, but it's also easy to say, yeah, he's one of the best backs in the league, but look at all the great backs on that list that we could probably get cheaper. Thing about Dalvin Cook for me is he's got bad hamstrings. He's so fast. He's a home run threat, but he's always hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this past season was his first year that he played uh, basically a whole season. I know he missed like two games, but I think he played like 14 games this season. But this is the first season he was able to stay on the field for an extended period of time. And, I mean, he was having a, a good rookie year, got hurt. was having a good second year, got hurt. He had a great third year. But can he be counted on to stay on the field for at least 14 games? Because that's what you really need. If if he's on the field for 14 games, he's effective, obviously, in the running game. Number season's going to 17, too. Right. Yeah. So you got he's effective in the run game, effective in the pass game. I mean, he's a home run threat. He's he's with you. He's like almost as good as Alvin Kamara. Almost as good as he is. Um, I just I if I'm the Vikings, I'm hesitant to pay him based off his injury history, just because like I mean he was hurt at Florida State. It's like it's just, it's just you know I just that's what I would be hesitant on. But I mean it, he's he's a great running back, especially in today's game where it's about being in space and being able to catch the ball out the backfield and those swing passes and everything like that. He's a great player. You talk about how Dak and the Zeke situation, how basically they paid Zeke before they paid Dak, and basically that's the same situation that the Vikings are in. They re-upped Cousins before they paid the workhorse who basically makes the quarterback's job easier. So they're in a, they're in a bind, man. Because I mean, we could talk about you can get another running back that can be just as productive, but he's the only running back in the league that can bust a seventy yard run. They don't bust seventy yard runs in the NFL. That's a college and high school thing. Like a guy in the NFL, oh man, he busts off a twenty five to thirty yarder, but he can bust off a seventy yard run. He's done it multiple times. So that's where I would be wary of though with the injury history, man. Like I just I just don't know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say that there is no health concern. I'm going to just say that he's the best back of the game and that the Vikings find themselves in this situation. And the bottom line is, is that I still, to this day, I'm going to remain consistent. I was, a, I mean, I got to be consistent here. I was a, the biggest Zeke fan in the world because, hey, he was a Buckeye and he went to one of my top favorite teams in the Dallas Cowboys. So I was all about him being in Dallas, but I was not about Dallas forking over that money to him. Now, the Cowboys are in a situation, and this is what I'm going to get into with the Bengals here in a moment. This is why I think that between, uh, when you look at both backs and Cooks and Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's in a much better position to get paid. I don't think he's as good as Cooks, but I think that he is as effective. I don't think that the Bengals are worse off with Mixon than Cook. I think that Cook would be an upgrade, but again, both are very, very good at their jobs. But when you look at the fact that they've already paid their quarterback, in you know you know you have you know Cooks looking for his money, but Cousins you've already forked over that money to him and significant money. Uh, they're trying to figure out some issues on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. All right, they're you know replacing Diggs that was their main focus. They actually did a pretty good job in the draft, but that's the thing. You've paid your quarterback. You have young wide receiver talent right now because of what you did in the draft. You might be in position to pay him, but at the same time. I think it's foolish when you look at that list of running backs, and I'm counting them in right now. I mean, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 running backs. Not including the new running backs that are going to be coming into the league at the draft next year. So let's just say that there's two good ones. We're talking about 18 to 20 running backs that are going to be looking for new jobs or looking for money next year. That alone right there is why I think you could take a hit at the talent position at running back Save money and put that money elsewhere. If you're the Vikings, that's what you have to do. Now, here's why if you are the Cincinnati Bengals. And Bengals fans, I know I like to beat up on the Bengals a lot. But I think that the Bengals are in very good shape right now that they should pay Joe Mixon the money. They should. 
you have like and for instance, if AJ Green gets that money before Mixon, I'll I'll be irate. <laughs> I'll be irate. Joe Mixon is a contributor. He's out on the field. He's a guy you can count on. And AJ Green, not that he's not any of those things or has not been any of those things, but he has not been any of those things recently. I poke fun at all the time how much time he has missed. I mean, he's only played one game in the last 23 or 24. You can't have that. You can't fork money into that uh, non-reliability. You can rely on Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is in a position where he's looking to get paid, but guess what? They just drafted their quarterback. You have Joe Burrow for the next four years at a rookie minimum. You already signed Tyler Boyd. You have hit to a four-year deal and an extension last season, so you have Tyler Boyd for three more years. T. Higgins. T. Higgins is the replacement for A.J. Green at some point. We just don't know when that is. So if your young core is a Joe Burrow with a Joe Mixon, with the T. Higgins, uh, and you have Tyler Boyd right there, I'm sorry, that's your core. I mean, I'm not sorry, I mean, but, but that's your core. Mm-hmm. That's nothing that you should look at and say, oh, well, that's not that good. That's very good. Joe Mixon deserves to be paid in Cincinnati because, yes, of his contributions, but because where else is that money going to go? You don't have to pay your quarterback for another three years. You don't have to pay your, you know, your, your experienced receiver in Boyd for another three years. I, and T. Higgins, I'm, I'm assuming that T. Higgins comes in and is that A.J. Green, that next big receiver for the Bengals, mm-hmm. and they've done a fantastic job over the years of, of really acquiring receivers, drafting receivers, developing receivers. I, I will give them that. They are very good when it comes to that. The Cincinnati Bengals should pay Joe Mixon. The Vikings should not pay Cook if they don't have to. If they want to do it, fine. But it's going to be one of those situations where the Cowboys, I still think, have a little buyer's remorse when it does come to Zeke Elliott. I think there there is a little buyer's remorse there. If the Cowboys didn't have you know him tied up into that big money, look at all these running backs they could have got for possibly cheaper. Who do you think the Cowboys should assign first, Dak or Zeke? Dak at the time. My opinion on Dak too is a lot of the money that they're going to put into him would single handedly cut off their chances of being able to acquire more talent. Really, I'm taking out my frustrations on Dak that were left over from me complaining about the Cowboys paying Zeke at the time because Zeke should not have got that money. The quarterback should have. And to be honest, the Vikings are going to feel like, oh, man, I hate to let Cooks go, but we at least have our quarterback. You don't have to like Cousins. I'm not a big fan of Cousins, but they feel better about themselves having a quarterback moving forward than being a team like the Bengals the last two years who have had a running back and no quarterback. So I think Mixon's in a good spot. I think Mixon, there's a better chance that Mixon gets what he's going to ask for from the Bengals than what Cooks does from the, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I was reading that Dalvin Cook wants McCaffrey money. Ain't happening. See ya. Ain't happening. I love, I love you, DC4. I love you, man. You're a great player, but you're not even going to sniff that type of money. One, he's better running back than you. Two, he's on the field more than you. And three, they're just not going to pay you that type of money, man. They're just not. They're just not. They're not one down in position to because they have to, so many holes to fill because of uh, digs and also already coughing up big bucks to Kirk Cousins. Like I just don't think... Minnesota's going to give him that money. But, I mean, where does he end up if if not back with the Vikings? That's a good question, too. But, I mean, like I said, this 18 to 20-plus running backs that are going to be available next offseason. And, folks, it's not just that the running backs are available. It's the running backs that are available. Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette. Okay, Derrick Henry, by the way. Derrick Henry, ladies and gentlemen. Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara. I mean, my good Todd Gurley, James Conner. 
Not not a sexy name, but he's a thousand yard back. He's capable of it. He wasn't a thousand a thousand yard back last year. Dalvin could come to the Steelers. You know, to be honest, there you go. That I mean, that could be a fit, and I could see Connor Cook going to Minnesota. I could see that happening very easily uh, as well, as far as that's concerned. And, and look, the Vikings have the receiver now that they just drafted. Obviously, they loved who they got in the draft. You have your quarterback. It's just one of those where you've already paid your quarterback max dollar. You can get another running back for fairly cheap and use that money elsewhere to provide another receiver, another offensive weapon for Cousins, or you put it on the defensive end. But Kareem Hunt, Marlon Mack from the Colts, as we talked about yesterday, Chris Carson, Jamal Williams, Matt Breida. Bottom line is the Vikings, they're going to have their their options there. The Bengals are going to have their options. But you know what you have with Mixon, and if that offensive line, who I mean, he's he rushed for a thousand yards on the year that they had the biggest joke of an offensive line in the National Football League. We know he can produce. He's mm-hmm. produced when the chips are down. So imagine when he has weapons around him. I'm a big Mixon fan. I think that the Bengals, before it even comes to that, which I know they won't, but the Bengals, before it comes to that, should work out a deal with Mixon so that there is no distractions. You have a rookie quarterback. Okay? You have some younger wide receivers coming in. You also have an experienced receiver in A.J. Green that hopefully for the first time in a while is healthy to start the season and they can get some good chemistry going. What you do not want in a year that's already been stricken by COVID and shortened time together, you do not want Joe Burrow to go as that much time without having his full core together. Because the core moving forward for the Bengals, in my opinion, it does not feature A.J. Green. It is T. Higgins. Assuming T. Higgins produces this year, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd for the next three years, and then you sign you know, Joe Mixon, you're set. That's your core for the next four years, and you have a very good and bright future ahead, assuming that offensive line is what they say it is as well. All right, Bengals fans, I know you're shocked. I went a whole 20 minutes and didn't bash your Bengals once. Uh, I think that the Bengals are in good shape. I started looking at this Cook situation. I said, this is, we might as well you know, take out Vikings, insert Bengals, because I think that they are going to be in this conversation within the near future. And if not, I don't know what Mixon is thinking. You don't want to wait till next summer to force the Bengals' hand, because then the Bengals are going to be very tempted to just say, we'll just draft a running back, or we'll sign Connor or one of these other guys for fairly cheap. So Joe Mixon, I'm actually pushing for this, needs to put the Bengals' feet to the fire, or Mike Brown could do something that would catch everyone off guard. Don't wait for the player to come to you. You go to the player. It'll never happen. It's not a Bengals thing. That's any team thing. They should just get this done. No distractions. Just get ready to go win games. If you can have your offensive course set for the next four years, the Bengals are in good shape as far as that's concerned. 457-9464. Bengals fans, I want to hear from you. You look at the situation that the Vikings are in with uh, Dalvin Cook. They'll be The Bengals will be in the similar situation and will be here shortly when it comes, obviously, uh, to their running back situation moving forward with Joe Mixon. Like I said, they're in good shape. They got to get it done. They got to get it done. We'll take your calls on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Step up with Boost Mobile's new upgraded network. Stronger signal, faster. St- the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Ash with you here. And uh, we opened up, of course, talking about the, the running back situation with the Minnesota Vikings. I think it's going to mirror the same situation that the Bengals will find themselves in here. Uh, really, I'm surprised that, you know, Cook has come out and demanded this. By the way, I have no issue with that. I don't think that he should get the money, but I have no issue with it. <laughs> like, I think it's smart. I mean, you look at that. I just talked about the 18 to 20 running backs that are going to be available next offseason. He's not going to, like, and by the way, if Joe Mixon waits till next year to try to play this, like, that's dumb. 
Like, then I will poke fun at that because why are you waiting to put the Bengals' feet to the fire when there's gonna, they're going to have plenty of options? Like, you, need, you have the leverage now. You need to threaten that, hey, you just drafted this new, this new quarterback. You have these new offensive weapons. Well, it's not going to work as, as smoothly if you don't have your top running back here. So right. um, I'm not going to step foot out on the field one more time until I have my deal done. That's smart on Cook's part as far as negotiating is concerned and having a little leverage. Joe Mixon could have that same thing. So I'm hoping that Joe Mixon kind of plays that card. At the same time, I do believe that Joe Mixon will get the money before Cooks will at the same time. So someone just shot in a note that it's ridiculous that I'm trying to justify Mixon getting paid over Cook when Cook is, is way better, that they should be paid their value. Isn't that the case in life? In any position? How many positions in life, forget football, just everyday life, how many of you listening are paid what you're truly worth? Let's just be honest. I don't feel bad for the players in these situations. Not just because, oh, I'm going to use the tired excuse, if they make millions of dollars, they'll be all right. But, you know, they'll be all right. So my <laughs> point is, is and, and again, I, I've used this example in the past, Kev, all my friends who are teachers, all they do is complain about how they they get paid so little and, and, and how that they don't have enough school supplies. They have to buy their own supplies. I'm not mocking that. I, I'm very well aware that that's the reality. But... I've also known that for, I mean, pretty much my entire life that teachers don't get paid that much money. I'm also very well aware that teachers all the time have said, hey, I have to you know, spend out of my own pocket to provide a lot of supplies for my own classroom. But you know what those kids still ended up doing? Going to school to be a teacher. You went to school to be a pe- teacher knowing that the pay wasn't good, knowing that you were going to have to pay out of pocket for some of your school supplies, and then you still complain, complain about it as if it's just this brand new piece of information that you've never, that you were like unaware of. Kev, running backs, it's kind of the same thing. You can't be a running back your whole life. You can't go to college to be a running back, dra- be drafted as a running back, and then in year three of your four-year deal, sit there and act surprised that, hey, why isn't my team paying me what I'm worth? Not a lot of – I mean, the Cowboys, I, I don't get that. The Rams made the mistake with Gurley. Hell, they had to cut Gurley. The Chargers ended up sticking to their guns as far as Melvin Gordon is concerned. So I'm not mocking teachers. All I'm saying is is that – the situation for teachers has not changed, and it's the same complaints every year, no matter what. And I sympathize with you. I'm just saying, but like when my friends, and I'll never forget, like when my friends who I went to high school with and college with, those same complaints existed before you went to school to be a teacher. Then you get your degree, and then you get a teaching job, and then you're sitting there telling me the same things that you were very well aware of before you went to school to be a teacher. Running backs, it's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing. It's the thing. exact same thing. They know that they, no one wants to pay running backs. I think for, especially for teachers, it's a, at least the teachers that I know, like they fall in love with teaching because they love kids and they want to give back. And I think that's just like the, the pay is part of the, the issue is like a cost and giving situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, well, I'm willing to give up this amount of money because I love what I'm doing. And then when you get older, like the same feelings you have at 22, 23 years old. When you're like, all right, I got me a nice little $500 apartment aren't the same feelings that you have when you're 30 plus years old when you're trying to start a family. Start thinking to yourself like, man, I need more income. So I don't think it's fair, especially for teachers to to try to be like thinking like, all right, I'm not making money now. So uh, I need to be make sure I'm making money in the future. Like it's, it's, it's the cost of doing business. But like, I don't think that's where their mind is when they when they get into the profession as far as running backs. Yeah, it's it, the 
somehow this position is is totally devalued. I I'm a firm believer. I don't believe that. I don't believe that the running back is a, 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 a position that you can just plug and play. I know there's a lot of examples of it, but you look at there's a lot of examples where you don't plug and play. You you tried that. When when Zeke wasn't on the field, the Cowboys' offense wasn't as good. When Dalvin Cook wasn't on the field, the Vikings' offense wasn't as good. When out um, Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers' offense wasn't as good. Like there's a lot of examples of guys that that they played very well that deserve that money. I I'm willing to put big bucks if uh, Christian McCaffrey's not on the field for the Panthers, their offense isn't going to be as good. Four five seven nine four six four. Uh, let's see if this works today, huh? Shall we? No, 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 Kev. You make a great point. Uh, and, and look, I, I get that. To look, yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure that out. The phone lines are working. We just had the wrong one open. So call back in, and we'll get you taken care of. If you're just tuning in, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, with you here uh, again. Again, just kind of evaluating the running back market as far as that's concerned moving forward. But the, my my the thing is, is that this narrative of the running back it, it hasn't changed, and it's not even really an opinion. It's it's an opinion that's based off of how the front offices have basically worked forever. I mean, they don't pay a lot of money to running backs. Like, the running backs is not one of their main concerns as far as that's concerned. Because, like I said, how do the Vikings go from, in, in the last two decades, how do they find themselves in one decade going from Adrian Peterson? Again, there's a gap, yes, but then you find yourself with Cooks. You run into this all the time. The Cowboys go from Murray to Zeke in a couple years. I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns have two elite running backs on their roster right now. I mean, name teams that have two elite quarterbacks on their team. You don't, you, you know, it's tough to find quarterbacks. To me, it's not tough to find running backs. I just made the list of available running backs next year. It's not like if they don't get a, a deal done for Cooks that all of a sudden that they're screwed and there's no options. Uh, there's going to be plenty of options. We just went through those options as far as that is concerned. But four five seven nine four six four Twitter at fourteen ten Kenner at fourteen ten Kenner K I N N E R. Kev, who we got on three? We got Chris. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? Hi, uh, how you doing? Uh, just calling. I uh, just want to say, uh, back in the fall, I wished uh, nothing but the worst for Antonio Brown, and I got it. But uh, the running backs are a dime a dozen now, and it seems like uh, anytime you pay in big bucks, well, you look yeah. at Devontae Freeman, mm-hmm. and uh, you look at, uh, oh, man, it's eluding me right now. You replaced Devontae Freeman for Atlanta. Uh, uh who replaced the running back in Atlanta? Gurley. Fra- Gur- no. Thank you. Goodness. Oh, yeah. Yes. Gurley. I'm sorry. This season coming up. Yes. Yes. After uh, he got it, that big money from the Rams. So he's about to, he made bank twice. <laughs> yep. They're immediately replaced. Like, they, they don't last. So is paying any running back really worth it? You say that again? I'm just saying, like, and they're immediately gone after getting paid. So it, it's not really worth paying running backs. Everybody kind of gets wiser to it. At the time they pay him. Yeah, because a lot of times, I mean, the running backs will prove their worth within their rookie deal. That I mean, We've seen that with Gurley. Obviously, you saw Kareem Hunt make an immediate impact for the Chiefs before missing time. Uh, you obviously saw what Zeke did in Dallas. In fact, the biggest flaws that he had was the fact that he got in trouble off the field. But on the field, Kev, you're right. There's a night and day difference of what the Cowboys were with them on the field versus without. But, uh, again, I think more teams are going to take chances in trying to find that next running back. I'll be very surprised if the Vikings pay him what he's asking for, to be honest with you. I don't think it'd be the wisest thing. Nope, I'm with you. Are you a Bengals fan? I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Hey, so you're com- you're talking from experience too. Kev's a, a Steelers fan, but we saw the Steelers go through this with Le'Veon Bell, and they opted not to give him that money. Obviously, they have not found a secondary Le'Veon Bell. 
But they've had a thousand yard back since then, so it's not like it's impossible to to replace that productivity. Although it's still a large gap, but we'll see what happens. I thought the Steelers were going to go after Todd Gurley whenever that time came this past off season. I was surprised they didn't, but the Falcons are a good fit. I, I like it. I was hoping they would kind of go at him and get him for something low on the market. But well, I wanted them to get J.K. Dobbins or you know a running uh, back like that. Me, I lost my mind when we didn't get him, so I'm a Buckeye fan too. So they had the chance and they let it go. They let it yes, go. They did. But, hey, uh, Chris, thanks so much for the call, man. Much appreciated. Thank you, sir. Have- All right, four five seven nine four six four. We got we gave him the guillotine. Uh, but discussing running backs right now here on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Uh, just your thoughts on whether or not, you know, are running backs worth max dollar? Um, I am not saying that running backs are not worth the money that they ask for. They are you're worth anything that you think that you deserve. It's just a matter of whether the company you're trying to get the money from thinks that. I don't think that the uh, you know when, when you look at the Viking situation, I think they love everything that Cooks brings to the table. But at the same time, they're also looking at okay, how, what is the smartest way to allocate dollars? And the Bengals are going to find that coming up here shortly with Mixon. The difference is is the Bengals are in good shape. You have your quarterback on a rookie deal. All right, you have T Higgins, who is a potential replacement to A.J. Green, who I do not think they should give an extension to. So you have him on a four-year deal. Uh, you also have Tyler Boyd, three years left after you gave him that four-year extension last offseason. So your core moving forward, if you're the Bengals, is Joe Burrow, T Higgins, Joe Mixon, and Tyler Boyd. I like that as far as that's concerned. Let's go to uh, Jake. Jake and Dayton, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. So I I, I don't value them. I, there's a handful. There's about five uh, running backs that I value, you know, like uh, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. I'm a Browns fan. There we go. And Nick, and Nick Chubb would even be on the edge for me. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the offensive line and the scheme that you're running. You know, if you're in a Kevin Stefanski offense where you're running over 40% of the time, then, yeah, you should probably pay a really good running back. You know, but if you're back in shotgun where you think maybe the Bengals are going to be four and five wide, you know, with Burrow, I don't think it would be ideal to pay Joe Mixon. Not saying Joe Mixon isn't good, but I think Joe Joe Mixon, to me, is behind the line of, of paying that guy. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, like, to, I'm going to use the Cowboys as an example. Like, the Cowboys, when they gave Zeke the money a few years ago, the reason I was frustrated is because Zeke and, uh, and, and Dak were on the same deal. So you knew you had to pay both of them at the same time. When you got to pay the running back and the quarterback at the same time, Ty goes to the runner being not really the runner. Ty goes to the quarterback, actually, in this situation. So... That's why I was frustrated with that, but the Bengals are in a different situation. They don't have any big positions that they have to fork over a lot of money to here in the near future, which is why it would make more sense for them to give that money to Mixon than the Vikings to go to Cook or, or another team with their star running back as well. But we'll see. Yeah, see, I, I personally, I would draft a running back every four years. Mm-hmm. I, I, just because you can get them on those cheap rookie deals. Um, I think, you know, you look at Le'Veon, I don't think Le'Veon's been nearly as good without the offensive line and the playmakers that they had in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and I know the Jets are terrible, but still. Um, so I just think there's a lot of different scenarios, you know, to take there. Absolutely. Hey, man, thanks so much for the call. Much appreciated. Four five seven nine four six four. On to Ron. Ron, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's going on, Justin? Another day in paradise. What you got for us? I uh, just hanging out in the backyard, looking at the garden and all that crap. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say about the running back thing. I mean, I think pretty much the NFL's proven that you're, the guys that really 
run, like look at Cadillac Williams. He went like what two, three years. I mean, they ran the crap out of him. I mean, and but you get guys. I mean, a four year deal is about right, but to really extend that, I mean, you want fresh legs, man. I mean, that's probably the position in the NFL that takes the most abuse and really gets really you know, pr- you know appreciated that much, you know. No, absolutely. In fact, like when they when rookie running backs come into the league and they just you know put on for display, it's like unreal. And you think, man, we have to lock him up. But we've seen teams. I mean, the fact that the Rams let Gurley go is mind boggling. It's not as shocking now, but at the time, it's like, man, I couldn't picture them moving on from him so quickly, and they did. I couldn't believe that Melvin Gordon didn't get the deal from the from the Chargers. But they moved on from. They're willing to overlook the talent of the running back because they feel confident that they can replace that talent. And I think that's just the reality of it moving forward. And I mean, dang, I mean, I just can't believe how many talented running backs that there are in the NFL. They're all over the place. And we just had two really good rookies come into the league this year. And who knows, the two wins that we were looking at, of course, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. But then there were other rookie running backs, obviously Hilaire out of LSU and the kid from Florida State. So there's running backs all over the place as far as that's concerned. That's true. And like back in my day, um, Ward done his contract. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, so they wouldn't, they seen Cadillac Williams in the mirror. So, I mean, they traded him to Atlanta. I mean, but, I mean, he was such a dominant player, man. But, anyway, it was like a four-year, five-year deal. But, yeah, I want to go back to your little comment about replacing T. Higgins with A.J. Green. How about replacing Casey Keenum with Baker Mayfield? Why would we, how, how are we going to replace – how do you replace the backup with the starter, Ron? <laughs> because the starter sucks. <laughs> I get it. That, that, that's your idea of a rib, man. We'll see. This season will tell a lot. I'm not going to argue with you because, hey, look, Baker wasn't good last year, so we'll no, see. I mean, I mean, you can see the plan in motion, man. I mean, are you – I know you keep saying, no, it ain't going to happen. but That's not true at all. I did a whole segment on it two weeks ago <laughs> that Case Keenum is the – that's why they signed him to a three-year deal. They signed him to a three-year deal because if Baker is not the guy, they got their quarterback for the next three years at the very least. And if Baker is their guy, then they don't have to worry about it and they can trade Keenum later. So, no, all good. You ain't going to get me. All good. All right, let Baker's play will do the talking for me, Ron. I just wanted to give you a little Tuesday uh, ruffle, you know. So, uh, talk to you later. Adios. All right, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We'll be back in a moment. The year was 1919. Barbasol shaving cream was invented by a dreamer named Frank Shields. The world's first modern shave cream, Barbasol, changed the face of shaving forever. A few billion shaves later, Frank's dream lives on. Behind every face is a dream. Barbasol proudly salutes every fearless, self-assured, wide-eyed dreamer all across America. Celebrating 100 years, Barbasol. Hey guys, I know there's a lot going on right now in the world, and we're all shopping online. I just saw that AT&T started doing two really helpful things for those who want to buy a new phone or device online. They're offering fast, free, no-contact delivery, and curbside pickup, so that online shopping is as simple and safe as possible. On top of that... They have a flexible return policy, so you can shop at ease. You can visit att.com to learn how to shop online from the safety of your home 24-7. Subject to change restrictions apply. 1410 Wing AM. 
right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, Kev, real quick, I want to get into this. Uh, yesterday, uh, a caller had called in and asked my thoughts on, or our thoughts on, what we thought about the five Alabama football players who tested positive for the coronavirus. And I said, I mean, I, 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 I've read about it, heard about it, and I didn't react any certain way because I'm trying to get in the state of mind of that's normal. It's, it doesn't mean that I'm saying it's okay. I'm just saying, well, that's normal. Yes, they're going to test positive. There are going to be players that test positive for it. Mm-hmm. Um, players passing away, that's going to get my eyes open, and I'm going to be like, okay, that this isn't cool anymore. Like, not, you know what I mean, anymore. Um, but the norm moving forward is going to be players testing positive for the coronavirus. Not even 24 hours later, another report comes out. UCF football announces that three of the 60 returning football players tested positive for COVID-19. And they go on to quote that, you know, this is per The Athletic, the three individuals who tested positive are in isolation for two weeks. The isolated student athletes are monitored daily via wellness checks and they receive contactless meal deliveries. My, you know, and I wish there was more detail of what that is because I keep envisioning in a short quote like this, I keep envisioning jail. Like (laughs) they are in isolation. They've been sent to the isolation cell. And then when I hear that they get delivered uh, contactless meal deliveries, I just keep picturing like either, yeah, the slide Slide under the door door. or like one of those little trays that open up and they just throw the sloppy tray on that hits the floor and the gross mac and cheese just is leaking over the side, you know, like that's what. So I, I, I would like to know more of, okay. The protocol, as far as that's concerned. Now, for instance, Notre Dame. When we talked about Notre Dame, they're putting everyone up in the in the hotel for the summer, basically. Um, and if stuff like that happens, they're basically in their hotel for the two weeks. Um, and you know, that's going to be how that's monitored. This just sounds scary. It sounds like, oh, you know, you're in isolation and you'll you'll get contactless deliveries three times a day or meal deliveries. It just sounds like you're in jail. Yeah, like you know, um, yeah, it's interesting how that is going to work moving forward. So my point is I bring that up saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm concerned about that. Yes, I'll be concerned when it happens to Ohio State because let's be clear, it's going to happen to Ohio State at some point. Um, It's just going to be a matter of when. Uh, But I didn't react any differently to this than I did about Alabama. It's unfortunate, but I just think that good for college football for not overreacting too much. Uh, But we'll see as far as that's concerned when it comes uh, to players. Uh, And, yeah. You know, it's funny, though. It got me to thinking Jared Hoying, who we had on. Who's calling the show a while back, Jared Hoying, uh, said that when he went to the KBO, uh, Jared Hoying, who we had on the show a while back, when he went to Korea to play in the KBO, he said that he he went crazy. Like they, you know, he was stuck in his hotel. Um, he was stuck in his hotel for two weeks because when you got there, you had to be isolated right away. And he said for two weeks in Korea. All right, he didn't doesn't have friends over there. He didn't, you know, he got to talk to family, you know, here and there. But he said for two weeks in the hotel, you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't leave, you know, you had your meals. He just said that was that was a very crazy experience. So I keep thinking about that conversation with Hoying from a couple weeks ago when we had him on the show, and it makes me think about this man. Two weeks is a long time. That's a let's be clear, it's a half a month. Yeah. And with the, as fast as time is flying right now, like you think time would be slow. There's no live sports. There's really nothing going on. I'm a, I can't believe how quick time is moving. Like we're almost to mid June, and yeah. I feel like it was just June first. So, all I'm saying is, is uh, I don't envy those guys at all. I feel bad for them catching that and testing positive, man. But uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate, and that's not even the worst of it. That's not even the sickness part. That's just the isolation yeah. part. It's only so many Netflix movies you can watch, video games you can play. For 14 days, like, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And you talk about being in another country for 14 days by yourself, 
that's got to be crazy. That's got to play on your mentals as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to uh, Dave. Dave, thanks for holding, man. How are you? Hey, good, gentlemen. Hey, I just wanted to real quick just chime in on what you're talking about with the isolation. And Yeah, two weeks is a pretty long time, but, um, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to change fairly soon. Um, but, yeah, when they put you in, in isolation, um, it's not like it, it, it could be worse. You know, it's not jail like you were saying. Oh, I know. That's what I'm just envisioning yeah, on the tweet. <laughs> It sounds awful, but, yeah, you're in a hotel room, and, and you're just basically sitting tight, um, and, and, you know, the two-week was the was the incubation period of what they thought it could run its course. Um, I have a friend of mine whose son went to boot camp um, a couple weeks ago for the Marine Corps, and they were doing the exact same thing. They were, when, when people were getting up, they weren't even testing them. They were getting them there two weeks early, and they were putting them up uh, in a naval hospital for two weeks. Everybody got their own room. Um, for two weeks, and then um, and, and then basically they, they started them out in boot camp. But, you know, I think as we move forward, one of the things that we've learned about this is that, you know, you don't, you, we talk about people that are ACEs and how long, you know, the two-week, like we said, incubation period. Mm-hmm. You don't really know when when you've contracted it. So what, they're, what we've done, and I, and I work in healthcare, one of the things that we've done is uh, we've kind of moved to a, a two-negative test. You have to test negative twice. So, Theoretically, let's say I have COVID-19 right now, and let's say I got it 10 days ago and didn't know, um, or maybe I'm just now starting to show symptoms. So they go and they test me, and they go, oh, my goodness, he's positive. Um, you know, what we're doing is well, once you're symptom-free, they're waiting about 48 hours and retesting you because they don't necessarily know when you've, when you've um, contracted it. And then once you test negative, they wait another 48 hours, and they test you again. So. Um, and I think sports is going to adopt that as well. I mean, this is not um, not to downplay um, what this what this virus is. It's nothing more than a virus. And what I mean is, it runs its course um, just like the flu does. And you know, the, the studies have shown. The CDC has actually come out and said that for people that are in the age of fifty, um, and don't even take into account you know world class professional athletes, general population, people under the age of fifty. You're actually more. Uh, you're actually more. The, the flu is more dangerous to you because a lot what they're what they're seeing is this is acting exactly like the flu, and we don't even necessarily go to the doctor for the flu. Um, you know, you just kind of stay home and treat yourself, and that's and that's what they're finding with a lot of the people that actually have this because you know the majority of people aren't getting tested um, that, that might have it. You just think you got the flu, mm-hmm. you're home for a few days, and you're getting past your your fever and your chills. And it kind of, of course, I think in order for sports, you know, we, I keep hearing, um, you know, when basketball comes back, you know, what happens when one person tests positive? Well, what do you mean what happens? What happens when one guy gets the flu? What happens when, when somebody gets mono? You, they, they're pulled out and, and they don't come back till they're, you know, they're healthy. Um, this doesn't run rampant, you know, amongst, amongst the, uh, amongst the team. Um, you know, they're talking about no spitting and no high fives and all this stuff. It's not proven that it comes out in sweat. Um, you know, it's proven that when it's an active virus in you and you cough on somebody, you sneeze on somebody, that's it, or on the surface and it sits for about two and a half to four hours, that's when you get it. So I, I just think that as, I think testing is improving and we're obviously we're learning more and more. Um, but like I said, this isn't a plague. It's a, you get it and it's a death sentence. For those of us that are under the age of 50, um, 
it's it's almost inconsequential to you. So for the for sports, I mean, you look at what Korea is doing. I mean, I, it still blows my mind that baseball is not back. Um, and I think basketball, by the time the season Well, well baseball is not back because, like I said, it's no longer COVID-related why baseball is not back yeah, anymore. They, it's straight exactly up ego right. at this no, point. So. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. But, you know, it, it's I understand the safety, the safety piece, and you don't want to, like you said, give it to... Um, you know, uh, a pregnant woman or something, you know, if your, if your wife is pregnant or something like that, you don't want to pass along. But, um, I mean, as we are moving, this is not what the original, what, what we thought it was going to be. You know, it's not, we're not seeing two million deaths. And we, I understand we've had a hundred thousand, but when you look at it per capita, you, you still have a, a less than, I think, I think the number is like point zero 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 two something. I don't even know what that percentage actually is but i know it's well less than you know a half a percent no that if you get it you're gonna die hey i don't mean to cut you off we just have to hit this commercial break i'm just giving you a heads up but no and and i appreciate the call you bring up a lot of good points i do want to say it brings up a lot of great points but i want to say this too i mean a lot of this stuff is they're going to go the extra mile of being overcautious because of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, a player who catches the coronavirus doesn't have to die for a potential. They could find some kind of thing that the school didn't do correctly to, to try to place a lawsuit. I think it's just going to come down to that as well. And that's not just the, the athletes. That's going to be, you know, you know, staff workers. It's going to be a lot of that. But I brought that up just as an example of. Look, yesterday we just got done talking about, hey, Alabama, five players test positive. We got to learn to not be comfortable with it, but that is going to be, you're going to hear a lot of that. And we just can't react to it the way we did back in March where, oh, my God, a player's positive. That's it. We're done for everything. Uh, obviously, new plans are put in place to how to kind of combat that. And we'll see what happens moving forward as far as that concern. So not even uh, a whole show later, we see that comes out. UCF, three players test positive in isolation for two weeks. Uh, they'll you know be fed. And, you know, like we've said before, a lot of times these student athletes are coming from all around the country to their respective schools. They're all being monitored as one. And I agree when the people say that, hey, they're actually in a safer spot being under team control than they are being spread out all over the place. Uh, They're safer as one uh, than being all around. So it'll be interesting uh, what other stories pop up moving forward. More of the Justin Kinner Show, Hour 1 in the books, Hour 2 coming up next. Media and the fans who have a problem with the the progress of the NFL fall on the owner. First take, your take, from 1 to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. An ESPN Extra Point with Mike Golick, Trey Wingo, and Mike... It's time for some straight talk. Even though most live sports are on hold now, big wireless companies haven't stopped playing games. They're always trying to lock you into overpriced contracts. With Straight Talk Wireless, there are no contracts. It runs on America's best network, same as the big carriers, but you save up to 50%. 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. You might miss sports, but don't play games, you'll lose. Straight Talk Wireless, no contracts, no compromise. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Augers, trenchers, blades, brooms, shredders, mulchers, hammers, compactors, planers, rollers, rakes. That's just a sample of the more than 100 attachments John Deere offers for skid steer and compact track loaders. The added versatility provided will help you win more jobs. And with the universal self-cleaning quick-tatch system, you can switch from one type of attachment to another in no time flat. Your John Deere dealer can help you choose the right attachment world. Visit johndeere.com slash compactattachments to learn more.
two of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Welcome back. Hope you had a great Tuesday. And uh, I just looked down. This is like a severe thunderstorm warning. And I was like, I didn't think it was supposed to rain. I know tomorrow we're supposed to get some storms, but it's starting to cloud up out there, which is just a shame because Nora is on me about mowing the grass tonight. <laughs> and it would just be an absolute shame if I couldn't mow the grass tonight. So Storm's coming. Storm is coming. Storm's blazing. <laughs> There you go. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here. Um, you know, so it's interesting. Yesterday we discussed uh, the state of Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, they, Joel Sherman um, with the New York Post tweets out yesterday that Major League Baseball is determined to play games this year. And I'm laughing. You know, it's hard to believe that they are determined to play games this year when they are finding every little reason during this negotiation period, not to play games this year. Um, but we're going to get into more of that coming up around the corner. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan has another update as far as that's concerned. Look, folks, bottom line is is July 4th, we're under a month away. I'm telling you right now, there's no season on July 4th. Um, that was the plan. But, man, like as excited as I am for the NBA, that's still way more than a month away. And I was like, but at least we're going to have baseball before that. I was trying to remain as optimistic. I know on the air I don't sound as optimistic, but off the air, I, when I'm sitting at home alone with my thoughts, I'm like, there's just no way that baseball is going to let this opportunity just slip through their fingers. Like, this would be, I mean, they've already messed it up, but there's just no way. So I, I want to keep believing, no matter how many times I hear from higher-ranking people than me, as far as who are more in the know than me, uh, keep saying that they just don't feel that there's going to be a season. I just keep hoping that they're wrong. That's all. I mean, when we had Al McCoy on last week, I said, Al, I love you, but I, I hope you're wrong, and I hope that doesn't sound disrespectful. I hope you are as wrong as wrong can be with this. Uh, so we shall see. Uh, but we open up the hour, uh, the first hour, talking, of course, about Dalvin Cook and the tie-ins between that situation and what the Bengals will find themselves in uh, earlier today on ESPN's Get Up and weighed in on the Dalvin Cook situation. They want to run the football. Zimmer is a defensive coach. He wants to protect his defense. That's how they want to play football. So if you're going to play that way, you got to have a running back. And he's the most valuable asset to this offense outside of Kirk Cousins. So with all that being said, they have to pay him. The key will be the structure. Are you going to structure it in a way where he gets some money in the early year? We're really going to have to take care of the running back. Now, I disagree. Whether you like it or not, Teams don't have to take care of the running back. And whether you like it or not, the teams that have taken care of the running back have not fared out too well. So we shall see what happens. I feel like we've seen the beginning to this movie before and the ending more times than not, usually seems to be a disastrous ending. It has the the peak in the movie where the team does the right thing and they pay the running back and then they get, you know, the same ending of they get bit in the ass at the end. Hello, Rams, Cowboys. Didn't work out too well last year. I feel like there's going to be another disappointing year this year. So we're going to see really the big question was it worth it we're going to get into all that more coming up later on in the show but I uh, wanted to get into this Kev ESPN put out their list of tiers college football tiers as far as if you were a head coach looking for a new job or looking for a job uh, the college football coaching job tiers what are like what are some of the, the the best jobs out there you would just assume right away are the jobs that of course are the programs that are rolling right now I mean that always seems to be what it is um, but you would have to think even programs that aren't rolling right now, like USC, is still going to be a highly mm-hmm. sought-after job. Um, actually, I say that, but it was available, and it wasn't highly sought-after. Um, I thought that the president of the university, I thought that was a strong approach from the president of the university at USC, who was a new president at the time of replacing Swan, coming out and saying, we want nothing to do with Urban Meyer. Um, Buckeye fans around here love Urban Meyer. I'm a big Urban Meyer fan as far as the, you know, the production of his teams. But how telling is that? That a, that a university that is looking to do everything that they can to, to bounce back, to get back into the national realm of dominance, 
And your best opportunity to do that was to target a head coach in Urban Meyer, who, let's be honest, I still feel like if the opportunity is right, he will be back in the sidelines in college at some point to establish himself as the best ever. No coach has ever won a national championship in three different conferences. And right now, he would have a chance to have done that. I mean, he did it in the SEC, uh, where it just means more. He's done it in the <laughs> Big Ten, uh, where it just appears to mean more. Uh, and then he would like to win another one, I'm sure, in USC, doing it at a storied program like that. That would have been the cherry on the dominant career uh, you know, Sunday as far as that's concerned. But that didn't happen. But mm-hmm. that's still a highly sought after job. I'm just very surprised that USC did not you know, we let's let's be honest. Morals are thrown out the door when it comes to college athletics. I was very surprised that USC took that stance with Urban Meyer. That's telling if you're an Urban Meyer fan. I'll just put it like that. I believe it's UC's old A D is mm-hmm. USC's new A D. But right? when they when they brought him over, they said, Look, we'll give you the job, but one of the stipulations was you cannot hire Urban Meyer. Right. How crazy is that? And they and they we're gonna offer you the job, but because of his ties to Urban Meyer, because right. I thought Urban could have replaced the Cincinnati athletic director. You know, it could have became the F- Cincinnati athletic director. I thought that was interesting that that they were so aggressive as far as putting that in there, saying, "Hey, you, we'll hire you, but you're not bringing Urban Meyer. We're not doing the Urban Meyer thing." That's crazy to me. That to me, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They created I mean, their own headaches. You know, uh, as great as a coach Herb is, you know, he, he has something on him. It's always something. You know, from everything that happened with all the arrests down, his days in Gainesville with the Gators, uh-huh. to, you know, the blow-up that happened his final season at Ohio State with Zach Smith and everything like that. It's just like always something. And when these college football coaches find themselves in hot water, more hot water finds them, as Dabo Sweeney is learning right now. You know, it's not just one thing. It's always something else. And Dabo Sweeney just found himself in a word of hurt basically these last two weeks. And he comes out with a long 15-minute video where he talks about almost less than than nothing in that video. Really doesn't... Word vomit. (laughs) Really doesn't say anything in that... 15 minutes of video so you know for these college football coaches it's more than just winning on the field it's more than recruiting it's more than keeping your boosters happy it's also you know dealing with stuff that happens off the field and issues and stuff like that so that's going to be a big problem for Clemson with Dabo like no one worried about any off the field problems before because they weren't winning championships so now that they're winning championships you know you're finding extra reporters doing some dirt digging you're finding uh former players you know fed up with certain things you're finding everything going on with the united states and social unrest like you know people are speaking out so these are things that coaches gonna have to start dealing with and Dabo is just the first one that's gonna start dealing with stuff because trust and believe he's not the only coach that has some skeletons in his closet no, we're learning that fairly quickly, and not just at the college ranks as far as that. But when you think about USC as far as that's concerned, uh, you know, Clemson has been put into that. But let, let's be honest here. Let's say uh, that a big scandal happens at Clemson and Dabo is out. What tier do you put Clemson in? Because Clemson kind of reminds me, and again, the, the success for Clemson and Dabo, it's not even in the same universe as what uh, Coach K has done at Duke, but very similar. Two programs that before that coach gets there, 
was not a program that anyone paid attention to. No one looked at Duke before Coach K the way that they look at Duke now. No one paid attention to Clemson before Dabo got there the way that they pay attention to Clemson Let's now. Let's be clear, nobody paid attention while during his first like five years at Clemson. But like, but, but exactly, but like, <laughs> but now, like, you know, the way they look no, at them now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he was there for five years before anybody cared at all. You know, so that that goes to show, like, that this is this is basically new money. Yeah, and, and as far as Duke's concerned too, and I've said this a million times, like, I look, Duke is, it's Duke, man. Like, there's really nothing else you have to say about it. But I tell you what, whoever replaces Coach K, I know it's tough to replace a legend, but we've seen in college athletics. It's not that tough to replace legends because we've seen the the true dominant programs produce national championships, and it wasn't just because of one particular coach. Coaches bring champion. When you have the right coach, you have the resources underneath you to tie it all in together. So Duke has proven that, hey, we've been doing this for 40, 50-plus years now, so clearly whoever comes in is going to have the same expectation. But if that next coach comes in and does what Coach K does to at least some extent, you're going to say, hey, that that's just one fantastic program. That's not watering down what Coach K did. That's just showing that that program is going to be able to withstand coaching changes. We've seen Kansas do it. North Carolina do it. We've seen Kentucky do it. All right, so that's going to be key as far as that's concerned uh, moving forward. In college football, Clemson, I don't know if I put him in that Tier 1, Kev. I don't know if I look at Clemson and just say, oh, okay, Dabo leaves, and that's a cro- program that's just going to keep on moving. There was reasons it wasn't moving before. Dabo has obviously un, you know, tapped some untapped potential within that program, and it's at an all-time high right now. But can they keep that going post him? We've seen Ohio State do it, go from one dominant coach to another. We've seen it in the last two decades alone to go from Trestle uh, to Urban Meyer, and now look at what Ryan Day is doing. That's, that's, that's an elite program. Mm-hmm. We don't know that about Clemson yet. We don't know if they can withstand a coaching change and them just keep rolling. That just speaks volumes about the program of yep. Ohio State. I don't know if that's Clemson's program and identity at this point. I agree. So, all right. So, tier one, ESPN put out this list, and they basically uh, just base you know college football coaching job tiers: Alabama, Texas, USC among most appealing. Well, the headline was quite appealing to me because it says Alabama, Texas, USC among the most appealing. I'm like, man, is Ohio State not on that list? But when you look at the tier one jobs, Alabama, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Texas and USC. When's the last time Oklahoma won a national championship? Two thousand. So it's been two decades, pretty well, two twenty years. All right, Texas. You know Vince Young. That's the last time they won a national championship. USC's won a national championship technically uh, with Reggie Bush uh, and Matt Leiner. Alabama's won multiple. Clemson's won multiple. Florida's won multiple. Georgia has not won one. LSU's won one. Won two in the last two decades. If we just look at the last two decades. Ohio State's won two the last two decades. I agree with this list. I'm a little bullish on Oklahoma, but history will always say that yes, that's you know that has to be a tier one job. So I'm not going to argue it too much. But I don't understand Georgia. In Florida is a little iffy to me. You're allowed to have some down years, but I mean, there's only been. I mean, Florida's not a. They're just a very average program. They're a good average program. I, I don't know if I'd put them in that tier one level. But we've seen them, to be fair, spurrier Spurrier. to urban. So it's not as if, you know, it can't be done. They just haven't been able to find that right mix since then, I guess. So I'll retract that a little bit. But Georgia, uh uh-uh. I don't get how they're on this list. I do, Other than they're in the SEC, I don't get how Georgia is on the Tier 1 level, to be honest with you. SEC. SEC. means more, man. But does anyone on that list pop out to you? 
the Georgia one, same way. Same, I feel the same way. Like, what was they won the national championship? Like eighty four. Yeah, I mean, what? So they win one with Herschel. I, th- I believe that was the year. So that was the year. <laughs> so uh, that's why I'm just like, you know, I don't get how Georgia's on there. In Clemson, I guess they have to be there because of recent dominance. And I'm not just recent success, but recent dominance. Um, but, man, even up until 2015, Clemson was not considered in a – like I, 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 in 2015, Clemson was not a Tier 1 job. So that's why I don't get that. Florida State's been more consistent as far as over the last 20, 30, 40 years – than Clemson, to be honest. So that's why it's funny, you know, criticizing Clemson like that, but it's true. They, they're new money. If mm-hmm. that, you know, like you alluded to earlier, Clemson's new money. I don't know if I look at them and say, oh, that's a tier one job. Dabo Sweeney has done a tier one job with Clemson over the last five or six years, but I don't know if that's a tier one job. I don't know if that opens up, and I don't know if everyone's dropping what they're doing to make sure that they will get that job. So Clemson, I would have to question, and especially Georgia. I can't put them in the tier one. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. All right. Um, on to Tier 2. Auburn, Florida State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oregon, Penn State, Texas A&M, and Washington. Washington, don't understand that one. Notre Dame, I would put in the Tier 1 range, even though lack of success has been their biggest issue as well. Uh, very overrated more times than not. Oregon, okay. that's a, I'd put that in the Tier 2, I guess. Auburn, yes. Florida State, yes. Florida State, like I said, you can argue them being a Tier 1 job because I think that we've seen that program sustain consistent success. However, they've been you know, kind of drowning a little bit uh, as of late. Michigan, that's a program that I think if Harbaugh would have done his job when he got here, that they would be Tier 1. Um, Michigan... Michigan should be a Tier 1. I don't care what anybody says that should be a Tier 1 job. We talk about it as if they are a Tier 1 as far as the Ohio State-Michigan. You know, it's it's Ohio State-Michigan and the Big Ten and everybody else. It's Ohio State and everybody else, but Michigan has not does not deserve to be in that same conversation as far as Ohio State uh, is concerned. So, I'm you know, Michigan, Tier 2, that's about right. But, man, that's on them because they have what it takes to be in that Tier 1 level, and they have totally dropped the ball as far as that's concerned. Florida State, obviously, Tier 2. I think that's about right. I think they've dropped a tier just because of their recent struggles, but they're not that far off from Florida State can't be tier two and Georgia be tier one though. I guess that's that's my biggest. I was just about to say that because Florida State has won all their national championships in the past thirty years, Mm -hmm. and and that's where my frustration comes in. Washington, eh, okay. I don't think that job opens up. I don't think like like for instance, if that job opens up. Like, we're waiting for a big job to open up for Urban Meyer to say, okay, that's where I'm going to go. Washington, Urban Meyer's not going to Washington. Right. Urban Meyer's not looking at Washington and saying, oh, I could definitely do there when I did it in Ohio State. I think he could, but I don't think that the appeal is there. I don't think he's going to be all teary-eyed and as passionate to be at Washington as he would be to be at Florida or Ohio State in the past. Texas A&M. That's an interesting one there. I mean, you've you know had on-field success. You've had Heisman you know, winning quarterbacks and players. You're in the SEC now. Okay, I guess I could. The SEC is what makes them tier two, but I really wouldn't even think of them as a tier two job either. For me, like, out of those teams that you just mentioned, if the requirements for tier two are Auburn and Florida State, those other schools don't belong in there. Those, those Auburn and Florida State are on a different level than those other schools. Mm-hmm. Like, though, they would be on the back end of the one tier, and like the two tier, those. Okay, you want to put Auburn and Florida State there? Cool. But all those teams after them, to me, are three-tier schools. I would put, based on the struggles of Michigan, 
especially since Lloyd Carr, let's just be honest. I know we act like uh, Harbaugh has them up with the elites. He does not have them up with the elites. In fact, they have underperformed and underachieved, and that irritates me because I want them to perform uh, at a high level. But Michigan... Uh, especially because Penn State's not on this tier two list, I think Penn State's a very good job. I think Penn State is is a job that I would prefer. Like I don't know about you, but I would take Penn State over Washington. I would take the Penn State job over Texas A and M. Uh, I would take the Penn State job over Oregon, and I would take the Penn State job over Michigan. To be honest with you, I probably I would take Oregon and Michigan over Penn State. Really? Jobs? Yeah. I'm curious about that. Four five seven nine four six four. Let's say no, Michigan, Oregon, Penn State's on the table. Which job are you taking? I take Penn State. I think that, I mean, the fact that Penn State has shown the ability to be able to bounce back after that horrible mess they found themselves mm-hmm. in post Joe Pa uh, and James Franklin, around a huge fan of, but I think he's done a fantastic job of bridging the gap and kind of getting them back up to that to this spotlight. I'll take Penn State over Oregon. And I take Penn State over Michigan, and that's on Harbaugh. Because Michigan, we shouldn't be taking anyone over that program outside of Ohio State, and that's kind of where we are as far as that's concerned. What about Wisconsin? I take Wisconsin over Washington. I take Wisconsin, yeah. m- you know, maybe over Oregon, maybe. Not ready to put them there They're, yet. Anyone? Oregon's played in two national championship games. That's true, and they have Heisman winning quarterbacks. What about Michigan State? Are they getting disrespected not being on this Tier 2? I mean, they had a great run. They had like a three, four-year run, but, you know, longevity matters. Yeah, I agree. It does matter, but they were. Like, you're right, though. They had that a, a good stretch, and being down the way they are and their recruiting classes are not good moving forward, it's going to be a while. I know Michigan State has a new coach. Michigan State, though, they're going to have to get – they're going to have to be – you know, come up off the mat because they're down on the mat right now, uh, and I want to give them that benefit of the doubt, but you're right, right now – they probably don't deserve to be in that tier two. Let's go to Cliff. Cliff, thanks for holding, man. How are you? Um, I want to get an understanding of what you're saying. Okay, you're saying that a tier two school is a school that's not doing good now, but we all know that they are top division um, one school when they are winning. You know, if Michigan going defeated, they're going to be battling for number one spot in the college. Mm-hmm. If, Bo- if Boise State going defeated, they're not going to be fighting for the uh, top. Uh, uh, ranking in college. So I'm kind of confused when you say that because these schools are still top-tier schools no matter what nobody say. Are you saying as far as them not winning now? or Yeah, I mean, or and to, be, to be this is based off a list, too. We're just kind of reacting to the list from ESPN, but when you look at the, mm-hmm. the Tier 1 is Alabama, Clemson, Florida, LSU, right. Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, and Texas. So th- right. those are the tier ones. All right. And then the right. tier two is when you really begin looking at that. That's where your Auburn's, Florida State's, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, A&M, Washington come into play. So th- that's kind of, you know, where we're at. So we're trying to decipher what, what makes them d- tier two to tier one because Florida State should be tier one, in my opinion. Georgia should not be tier one. Auburn deserves tier one before Georgia, to be honest with you. When I talk tier one and tier two, I talk about tradition most of the times. In my, mm-hmm. that's just in my opinion. We know if, um, it's like I said, if some of these schools go undefeated, they're going to be fighting for the championship. Some of these schools don't go undefeated, they won't be fighting for the championship. So I always take the ones that I know that if they go undefeated or if they have a good record or, you know, if the chips fall where they may, they can go to a national championship. Now, I, t- I look at them as not, never a tier two school because it just don't make sense to me for them to be a tier two school 
even if it even if it's at anybody's opinion. Okay, this is what uh, they're defining a tier one job as: great location with excellent access to elite okay. regional recruits, national recruits, strong infrastructure, commitment from the university and athletic administration, few financial right. limitations, ex- excellent existing coaches. Uh, staff and a history of uh, top five programs. They define tier two, very good location and access to top 300 recruits. No major limitations around facilities, coaching, salaries, support staff, and ability to win a national championship occasionally. And, that, and that's fine, but we've seen those programs even. So if they're saying there are more limitations and not as comfortable of a background uh, and location for some of these, uh, but Cliff and Kev, we've seen some of those programs. Get, I mean, win championships despite that. We've seen Florida State, despite some of those flaws, win. Right, so right, that's why right. I don't really like the, the classification system for how they're deterring or determining what these tiers are, I guess. Yes, yes sir. Some of these schools, there are schools that's um, been down, and probably some of these coaches might want to bring them back to New Providence. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a Washington. That's a challenge for some coaches. But I think y'all saying that Urban Meyer probably wouldn't be interested in no job like that. We'll try to understand what y'all are saying, but I would think that would be a, a, a good test for Urban Meyer to see where some of these great coaches really, really, you know, really where they're at at just being a coach and bringing somebody back to prominence. You know, well, it's saying? funny because when uh, Urban, I mean, Urban's name was kind of linked to two of the possibilities in the tier two. Notre Dame is always a program that everyone thought oh, that Urban would end up anyways. In fact, Urban, when he was at Utah, said the only teams that he'd be willing to coach for that he would leave for would be Michigan, which I thought was hilarious. He would have coached at Michigan, Ohio State, or Notre Dame. Uh, Florida State in tier two. Urban's name was brought up a few times last season as far as a potential candidate there. Uh, no reports that that but i'm just saying but that program would make sense for him to go to to win a national championship at a third different conference so and uh washington had uh um chris peterson and he just retired and he just hired a younger coach jimmy lake to uh, replace him out in washington and you know chris peterson had them in the college football playoff so he's a very good coach so we'll see what happens with washington now well, well, I'm glad y'all explained that to me because I, when I look at Tier 2 and Tier 1 schools, I look at schools that can win a national championship, you know, no matter what, no matter if who, whoever, whoever the coach is, if they go undefeated in most cases, if Ohio State go undefeated in most cases, they're going to win a national championship. If Notre Dame go undefeated in most cases, I'm saying most cases now because it always ain't like that, but Notre Dame has had good records lately and they ain't won a championship or even been meant or with, I think they might have been in the top three Still, but they weren't in the top two for the championship. So that's that's just my definition of a tier one and tier two school. But I understand what y'all saying. A lot of stuff going into it. I thank y'all. Hey, anytime, Clifford. Thanks for the call, buddy. Take care. Uh, four five seven nine four six four. We'll continue looking at this list. Tier three. It's interesting. Cliff says he he would expect championship contenders in tiers one and two. There's just as many championship contenders in tier three, and I haven't even made it to tier four. Yeah, and in tier four, I'm looking at this. I'm like, there's contenders there potential uh, contenders there as well. But this is an interesting list. We'll continue to dissect it and take your calls when we come back. Back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Date, 1410 Wing AM. What time is it? I feel like it's like going on 9 o'clock. It's getting all dark outside. There you go. Storm's coming, man. But you won't have to cut the grass today. Oh, no. This will come through. It'll rain and then be done. (laughs) And my grass will look like that out there, just in big old piles. So there you go. 
All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinder, Kev Nash with you here. Uh, it's the Justin Kinder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio. Head to Uh Just so everybody knows, we've, of course, we've had the phones down for a little bit. <clears throat> Our podcasts weren't sharing the way they were supposed to. I think we are smooth sailing. It's nice when you're back in the building and have a little bit more control on things. Like our podcasts are backed up. Like this, literally, it's nice. I, I checked it today and I was like, oh, good, because I'm trying to figure out like why there was no downloads on them. I'm like, well, I know I'm a bad host. So I'm, I thought maybe that was it. But I'm not that bad. I mean, I, I mean I'm bad, but not that bad to where no one's downloading anything. And then uh, it is fixed. So if you have downloaded the Justin Kinner show uh, in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store, go and re download it. You don't have to re download it, but just let them know that, hey, yeah, you are still downloading this podcast because we were out for a while. Uh, but I checked, and we are up and rolling. We went through yesterday's conversation about, hey, if you could pick a national championship game matchup, um, you know, for Ohio State this year, which opponent would you have? We put that conversation on there. Hal McCoy uh, is up there as well. So a lot of good conversation pieces up there, so make sure you're subscribing and downloading to that. Look at that out. Holy moly. If you're out and about, especially uh, more south or in the Kettering area, uh, just be careful driving out and about. I know we've got a few weather uh, updates saying that there's a storm coming through. So just be (laughs) careful uh, as far as that's concerned, and we appreciate you listening to us. So we're taking a look at college football's coaching job tiers, Alabama, Texas, USC, Ohio State, and others in that Tier 1. Folks, um, there's no surprise there. Texas, USC, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, no surprise. I, I thought Florida was interesting. I thought Georgia was interesting. Uh, and LSU. Now, LSU just won a national championship. They've been to multiple national championship games. They're a regular contender in the SEC. I don't have a huge problem with them, I guess. But, man, as far as Georgia is concerned, with all due respect, and I don't know how many Georgia fans we have in the area. I know we have some SEC fans. But Georgia, I don't get how you put Georgia in that top tier. Uh, I, I mean, Notre Dame is in tier two. I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, but I'm not dumb to history, okay? I'm not dumb to know. I mean, I'm not that dumb, okay? I understand what Notre Dame means to the history of college football. And Notre Dame, at the end of the day, still contenders every single year. I mean, we're only two years removed from them being in the playoff and going undefeated, and they play a very tough schedule. Their schedule wasn't that tough that year. Now, to be fair, that was through no fault of their own. It wasn't their fault that USC decided you know, to forget who they are as a program, uh, and injuries riddled a lot of other uh, opponents on their schedule. USC, or I'm sorry, uh, Notre Dame should be a Tier 1 job. Yeah. Georgia should not. And I know this sounds crazy. This might be my hottest take of the day, folks. It's not Friday. But I'm not, yeah, no kidding. But I'm, Kev, I'm not convinced that Clemson is, that, is, is a Tier 1 job. Maybe I'm overlooking that. Uh, maybe it is, but I'm looking at this and saying, okay, Clemson was a nobody until the mid-level run of, of Dabo Sweeney's run here. So Dabo leaves. Does that program have enough history that they could just keep on going without Dabo? We know Ohio State can do it. All right, USC has done it. They haven't done it recently, but they've done it. Florida has done it. Spurrier, obviously, Urban Meyer, Ohio State, Trestle, Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day. LSU has done it, too. At, at three run, three yeah. national championships. Well, they have four national championships, four different head coaches. Uh, you know, Alabama. Uh, you know, so when I look at these programs, I'm looking at Oklahoma. You lose Bob Stoops, they keep on rolling. All right, Texas, still at a high level, but they're like the Michigan of the Big 12. They're, they're that program that you still expect a lot out of that just seems to still drop the ball as far as that's concerned. However, they at least have a national championship in the last two decades. That's something Michigan cannot say. Alabama, of course. Florida, we've seen do it. LSU has done it. Ohio State's done it. Georgia, I, they haven't even won a championship, at least in the last 20, you know, 20 years. So I, I don't get how Georgia's a Tier 1 job and Clemson, 
I, I guess I can give them the benef- benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I'm looking at them saying, I need to see a little more. I, I, I would like to see Clemson without Dabo and kind of see him. Dabo keeps it up. We're going to see what Clemson looks like without him because, oofa. <laughs> I don't think he's intending to come across as dumb as he is, but, man, it's showing the lack of awareness that he has of what's going on in the world around him. That's all I'm going to say about that as far as that's concerned. Um, but, yeah, we'll continue to look at this list. It's uh, pouring out there. So again, just make sure you are being yes. safe for those who are out driving around. So, so speaking of Dabo, he's going into year 13. He's been there that long, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, Good for and, him. And, and like I said, man, like is, they're definitely new money. They won the national championship in 81, and then they won they've won two more since you know this recent run. I don't know if they're a tier one, but based off the criteria that ESPN put forward, you know, they have that backing. They have that financial backing, and financial backing is a huge part of it. I mean, those shadow staffs that Alabama and Clemson and a lot of other SEC schools have where they basically hire a whole bunch of co- coaches to do a lot of the grunt work, and then they go find uh, jobs elsewhere. Maybe they are. I, I'm, 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 I'm looking at this, and I'm starting to think, like, Okay, Dabo, he has won in 2016, 2018, and played for two other national championships. Not only just winning championships, he's played for two others. So, I mean, this run basically started in uh, 20, you want to say 2014. You know, that's that's a solid run to be relevant on the college football landscape. So, I'm starting to change my mind. I, I probably would put them tier one. All right, and again, it's you know, obviously the championships have just come within the last five or six years, uh, but it's just one of those situations where I'm one of those where I'd like to see. Uh, my big thing is, and you don't hear this often, but I want to see how how programs handle coaching changes. Um, is your program only great because of that coach, or does your program offer opportunities to be successful no matter what? Uh, and you know, look, I know Duke's great, but I, from a college basketball perspective, I always look at it and say, "Hey, what's 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 Duke going to look like post Coach K? Are they going to still, you know, be the you know the Duke program that we're accustomed to seeing them be? I don't think they're going to fall off the face of the earth by any means, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'm really interested in that. Clemson's not Duke, but at the same time, I'm looking at that situation, saying if Dabo leaves, then what? Then what? Uh, let's go to Steve. Steve, thanks for holding, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. So I think when it comes to like what what makes you a top tier like team, whether in you know um, basketball or football, I think first you have to prove yourself and be consistent in proving yourself. So what is, like, is Steve? Real quick, proving yourself does that mean championships, man? Yes. Okay. If not, if not championships, at least being in consistently being in the title game. For instance, if if you're consistently in the elite eight. In, in Final Four or in the championship game in college basketball, I I think you're you're considered a, a top tier. Is the playoffs um, like that for football now? It's where you don't have to win a championship, but being a playoff team like Oklahoma every year is that enough to put you in that conversation? Um, I now I think it's different with college football. I think you can get to the playoffs and you're 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 pushing it, okay. but I think you have to be in the title like because it's it's with with uh, like with basketball, you know. It's you're looking at so many teams, but it's with with college football, you've got that that very small margin. You know, you look at like Alabama; they've been consistently in there, whether in 
the playoffs or in the title game for, for how long? Same with Ohio State. They've been consistently in the playoffs and in the title game. Um, where with Clemson, they're brand new. We, they haven't, you know, now if they consistently keep doing this or they're consistently in the playoffs, consistently, you know, in the championship game, winning, then I think it's elite. When you look Steve, at like Georgia, how, like you, Steve, how long do ahead. you define consistency? Like how, how many years do you have to be like in the running for a national championship before you say, all right, you're consistent? I mean, right now, I think, I think, um, Clemson still needs at least, I would say at least one or two more years. If they, if they win the national championship next year or they're in it, I feel like at that point they're, they're, um, a top tier. See, I can't figure them out because I'm like, man, when you think about it, seven years, seven, seven, seven years. I would say, I mean, I would say, yeah, anywhere from five to seven years. What's what's your body just, work been like? Cause I mean, it's almost, we just talked about it. Clemson has been in the uh, college football. They were in the initial college football playoff. No, they were not. I'm sorry, they weren't in the initial college football playoff. They were. They started in the college football playoff in uh, 2015. They they right. They've been in there basically every year. There have been a national. Them and Alabama have been in more yeah. than any other you know, program, obviously. But yeah, um, yeah, we get that's Deshaun Watson and right into Trevor Lawrence. Right. And, uh, they've just, it's been a well-oiled machine. And then, like you said, when you look at Georgia, they've had their opportunities, and they they haven't been able to like pull the trigger. You know how many opportunities have they had against Alabama? Um, even going back to that, I can't remember what year that was. Maybe it was. Um, uh, the McElroy year when when they were they came up like t- maybe five yards short of the end zone of beating Alabama and getting to the national championship like in you the SEC consistent. championship game they had yeah, a quarterback Aaron Murray I I, th- I think maybe it was Aaron Moore yeah it's like I, you know they've they've had they've they've had their opportunity and they they haven't done it um, and then like you said but but then when you look at the flip side. Like you said, what happens when Coach K leaves Duke? What happens when Nick Saban leaves Alabama? Like, well, to be fair, we've seen Bama already do that. We, we've seen that they have the resources that when you get the right coach in place, they can they can roll. Uh, I know you could say that about any team, any French, uh, program that's won a national championship. Uh, but what I like about some of the other proven fr- uh, programs is the fact that you've seen multiple great coaches come in, and that program continues to win. They're not coach dependent; they're good coach dependent. But m- any good coach can come in and win there. That's that that signs to me. That is a sign to me that you have a healthy championship program. I don't know if that's Clemson yet. That's all. Right, and I agree because like when you're staying consistent like I was saying and you're winning national championships then you're going to, and a coach wants to leave, the next coach that comes in you're going to be looking at that high profile coach because not only because maybe that coach is definitely one I'm going to coach there if you look at Ohio State like Ohio State has been an elite program and Urban Meyer wanted to, wanted to coach there. What if my, my question is what if what if Ohio State had not been good? What if what if they had just been average? Do you still think Urban would want to coach there? That's a good. I mean, at least there's the local tie-in a little bit. Uh, you know, if his time coaching in Ohio and being from Ohio, that type of thing. So yes, but I know what you're saying. There has to be that that elite appeal, uh, and that's why when we talked about Urban potentially coming back into college football, it's a short list because there's not a lot of elite programs out there. At least elite programs with the coaching vacancy, which is why I thought USC was going to make a lot of sense if that happened. Right, yeah, but, but but again, it's because they haven't they haven't been consistent. Like how long? I, and I know that some coaches can turn around a program in one season. It's you know we've it's, seen it. Urban did it, 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 it <laughs> multiple it's very times. Possible, but you, you know it's it's kind of like, are you willing to take that risk? Because 
USC has been bad for quite some time. Ever, I mean, what since Pete Carroll's been gone? Have they have they done anything? Is that, I mean, I don't know if that's no. I mean, look, they've been in some Rose have... Bowls. They've been you know they've they've been a good. They've just been a good program. They've just been a good. They've been like Michigan, just a good program. Michigan's been a little bit better as a, you know uh, during that stretch, but no, they haven't been an elite program since uh, Pete Carroll left. But again, when you have scholarships taken from you and penalties put down on you and you've been able you haven't been able to find that right coach they've just been kind of you know trying to just stay above water as far as that's concerned but hey man we got to hit this commercial steve thank you i appreciate it hey take uh, take care man i appreciate you taking time and hanging out with us four five seven nine four six four what traits do do programs need to be considered top tier to be considered tier one i guess we know espn's uh criteria but i guess like what does a what does a program need to do to be considered that uh and, and again it's not the programs that aren't on the list that are a big question mark it's the, the some of the programs that are in the list that i'm looking at saying georgia i don't think is tier one uh clemson is tier one i guess when you look at the longevity of it but it is under one coach but uh, they at least have multiple championships. It's not like they only have one. I mean, they've won multiple. They were in the title game last year. I mean, they're regularly there. Plus, they're one of the top recruiting programs every year. Uh, but Georgia, uh-uh. But we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kenner Show next. Here on ESPN Date, 1410 Wing AM. came across an article that uh, St. Louis Cardinals owner, he claims that baseball is not a very profitable industry, which I'm laughing at because <laughs> there's a couple examples popped up on Twitter. How about, uh, you know, the Royals were bought by the Glass family uh, in 2000 for $96 million, okay? $96 million. In 19 years, the Royals won 44% of their games, okay? Won 44% of the games. And it's worth three times that now. Mm. How about the uh, in the Marlins are always my favorite organization because they're a joke of an organization, Ugh. but yet they have multiple World Series titles in the last couple decades. Uh, and they've always proven that they're able to build from the ground up, and then they hit the reset button for whatever reason. New ownership now, obviously, Derek Jeter. Uh, but, you know, how about, you know, uh, not ownership, but, you know, Jeffrey Loria's uh, group bought the Marlins in 2002, you know, for $159 million, Kev. One playoff appearance. One World Series title, a 47% winning percentage, usually bottom five in attendance. Uh, they were sold in 2018 for $1.2 billion. They went from $159 million to $1.2, $1.3 billion. Yeah, I don't think I agree with the Cardinals <laughs> owner um, that uh, it's not a profitable industry. Maybe it's not as profitable as maybe the NBA and NFL teams. I don't really have anything to compare it to in front of me, but... If you could buy one of the worst franchises in baseball in the Marlins for, uh, again, $159 million, and you can sell it for $1.2 billion, I'd say you're doing okay. I'd Definitely. say that that's pretty profitable, if you ask me. Because we're not talking about a good organization. We're talking about a bad organization that went from 159 to $1.3 billion. Billion. Would it be? So there you go. But 457-9464, uh, the Justin Kinner Show with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. It's interesting. I was listening to some NBA talk earlier today. Uh, they were talking about which NBA star faces the most pressure heading in uh, to the resumed NBA season. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of LeBron James. So LeBron James, there's so much pressure on him. There is pressure on him. But I think that there is one star that right now is risking uh, being put into a potential category called the Charles Barkley category um you know we sit there all the time and we like to use 
amount of rings to decipher the greatness between MJ and LeBron. Okay, like that's always the go-to. How many rings? Oh, look at how many rings MJ has compared to how many rings LeBron has. But the one thing that I know that you can always consider when you talk about all-time greats, outside of what, uh, I guess, you know, Carl Malone, all the all-time greats have rings in Charles Barkley. There's not a lot of all-time greats that don't have rings. And they all have rings. It doesn't matter. I mean, if it's, you know, Bill Russell, it doesn't matter if you have 11. It doesn't matter if you have one. The bottom line is, is everyone on the all-time greats list pretty much has a ring. Uh, I know you can throw in the Allen Iverson and, and, you know, sprinkle those guys in from time to time. But, you know what I mean? Like, usually, all you got to do is win that one. And right now, I'm looking at a situation where in Milwaukee, especially, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who everyone believed that that was the best team in the Eastern Conference, that they should get to the to the NBA Finals. You know, it's not really looking that way. I mean, it could happen, but Boston right now is being tabbed as the favorite to come out of the East whenever the NBA and NBA playoffs resume. And I'm, I got to think, I mean, who is facing the most pressure when we come back? And I, I think it's LeBron, because LeBron right now, it's his last legit shot of winning an NBA championship. I shouldn't say that it's his last legit shot, but as far as the talent on the Lakers roster, the fact that you don't have Kevin Durant playing in the league right now, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both out due to injury, I think that it has opened up the door for them to, to have a shot for LeBron to go get that fifth ring, uh, or that fourth ring. So I think it's going to be a situation where, yes, there's a lot of pressure on him, but I think that every time a season ends and Giannis Antetokounmpo hasn't even at least got to the NBA Finals, I think that's a problem. He's seven years into the league. He's won an MVP. He might win his second straight MVP. And he's risking being put in a category like that of a Charles Barkley where I start looking at this list saying, man, of all the greats in the league today, who has the highest percentage chance of falling into that Charles Barkley category. Kev, you have James Harden. You have Russell Westbrook. Uh, obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's well on his way to potentially winning his second straight MVP. I would say that is a bigger deal. I'm looking at that. I mean, look, and Russell Wilson's uh, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has won an MVP. Ke- uh, James Harden has won an MVP. And Antetokounmpo has won an MVP. Of those three... Who has the highest chance of being Charles Barkley, being one of the all-time greats, but not getting a championship? Man. Which one of those is more capable of winning a ring? For me, I think more it's Giannis. More capable, uh, definitely Giannis. I think Giannis. I think a team could be built with him on it. Uh, the, the reason I say him is because we've seen good Houston teams with Harden that haven't been able to get it done. And they've brought in Giannis. great players. Uh, Westbrook, he's been part of multiple clusters of great little trios hasn't been able to get it done we have yet to see Antetokounmpo have that trio that trio built yet like he's seven years in all right so to me I want to see him with that maybe it's LA maybe it's him and LeBron you know maybe we're thinking LeBron Anthony Davis maybe it's not Anthony Davis maybe it's LeBron Antetokounmpo who knows what's going to happen as far as that's concerned but yeah I think that I think Antetokounmpo can get a championship I think we're going to be talking about James Harden and Russell Westbrook when their careers are all said and done as two more great players added to the list of guys who weren't able to get rings. And I don't care if at the very end of their career they're bench players and can barely move and they're on a championship team. I don't count that. I mean, in their prime, I think they end without a ring. You might be right because the way Harden plays, I don't see him becoming one of those guys that can play off the ball like later on in his career. I mean... It's, it is a big difference from between, all right, you're a league guy on your team and winning a championship to being a role player on on a championship team. Like, all right, we look at a player like Gary Payton. They lost to the Bulls in the finals. He was the league guy. He won his championship as a role player with the Heat. But 
if he'd have won his championship a la Mitch Richmond style when he was on the Lakers when he won his championship, it's a big difference between those championships. I think for guys of Hall of Fame caliber type of careers, when you're talking about Stockton, Barkley, Steve Nash, who don't have rings, it does burn them up. It does it. It does burn them up because you look at other guys like, what? Eddie Curry got a ring? Like, how'd that happen? I, that's how you know sports ain't fair. Like, Barkley got, ain't got a ring, but Eddie Curry got a ring. Like, it just just don't add up. Well, to be fair, and, and I hear people say things like that all the time, but my point is, is, like, Eddie Curry has a ring. There's guys that get rings sitting on a bench. Like, I mean, how many how many guys have rings thanks to LeBron because they signed on for the league minimum to go join the Heat or the Cavs during those stretches? So, to me, having a ring is great. But, like, when people like to do the whole ring argument of, oh, well, if it's just rings, then Robert Ory's the best of all time. Robert Ory's rings are different than Michael Jordan's rings. Robert Ory's rings are different than LeBron's rings. Robert Ory has more rings than LeBron. But... Robert Ory's role is he's a role player. Mm-hmm. He's not a superstar player. So to to use that as an example is not good because we're not Robert Ory's we'll never talk about him in that category. We'll never talk about Derek Fisher in that category, uh, as far as that's concerned. So the rings isn't the only thing as far as that's concerned. You gotta check off the the criteria and you gotta be a superstar. Robert Ory's not a superstar. Derek Fisher's not a superstar, um, as far as that's concerned. So yeah, I mean, they they can get rings late. But, you know, you're right. It's like when you look at it, there's some bad players. I mean, Adam Morrison got a ring. <laughs> and he's one of the biggest busts in NBA history. So you're right. It's unfair. Adam Morrison ended up getting a ring. That's unfair. Who are some of the other ones that got rings? Oh, Darko Milicic. He got a ring. And he was the first to get the ring. He was the first yeah. to get the ring. And now, remember that Rookie draft, year. the 2003 draft. Remember, D-Wade should have been with the Pistons. Can you imagine D-Wade and the Pistons? Can you imagine, you know, Chauncey Billups with D Wade? Yeah, they picked Darko Milicic. No, I'm saying Mello should have been. Mello should have been. You know, well, at the time, you're right. D Wade wasn't as sought after as the other. Career wise, looking back, yes, you're right. Mello should have been with the Pistons. All right. So it's amazing to me uh, that Mello ends his career as a part of that. One of the greatest drafts ever was that year when you had D Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, all in that. And, and Darko Milicic comes away with the ring. And Carmelo doesn't, you know. And and Melichich came away with the ring before LeBron, before mm-hmm. D Wade, before well, obviously Melo. So you're right. The league, it, it's not fair it's sometimes. Not, it, you know what? Looking, looking, and thinking, Chris Paul will be that player. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. He he will be that that John Stockton, Carl Malone esque player that we'll look at and say he's for, you know definitely one of the best players of all time um and will fin- might finish without a ring who knows i still think something happens where but again depending on the timing of his ring i mean it's a ring will be a ring but i mean when you got to get a ring as the guy or part of the main core you know gary payton's ring gary payton's an all-time great technically has a ring you would remind me of that a little bit ago i forgot he was that starting point guard starting the point ba- guard you know on the on the heat uh but it wasn't well, the Gary Payton that we all well, know. Well, I mean, you're not going to be your prime self forever. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. I don't care if Tracy McGrady would have won a ring with the Spurs in that last year. I never would have looked at, oh, T-Mac, he's a champion. Vince Carter almost joined the Raptors last year. Vince Carter, if you know, if him playing his 12 minutes a game, I'm sorry, but that's not like Vince Carter got his ring as the all-time great. Like, he got in the back end. I don't know. That's just how... I kind of look at it uh, as far as that's concerned. The reason I say Chris Paul, because I believe Chris Paul is the 
best player of those guys out of Russ, out of James, out of Giannis, by far. Like, by far, I think Chris Paul is a tremendous basketball player. Uh, I think he's one of the most overrated. Really? Not just trying to argue with you. I've never <laughs> been a Chris Paul guy. I think that the same things we blame Westbrook for, follow him around too. But because he's not a volume shooter or because he, he doesn't, like, demand the ball as much as the others. But, I mean, eventually losing follows you from team to team. Uh, you know, we can't sit there and say, oh, Carl Malone and John Stockton. MJ's the reason that, you know, they never got their rings. What's... What's uh, what's his excuse? I mean, he's gone. He's bounced around. He's had a chance to go and chase championships. So that that to me bothers well, me. Well, the Clippers, the Clippers were nothing before he showed up. The Clippers, but it wasn't just him. They invested in a lot of pieces around him. You know, they ended up getting a Blake Griffin. They had a lot of guys that you know were put around him. Those were good Clippers teams. You know, but is what it is. All I'm saying is, is I just feel like he is underachieved in my opinion. I think I think he's achieved perfectly fine for a six foot point guard. That's fine. There's a lot. I mean, I'll, I'd take Allen Iverson over Chris Paul in a heartbeat, and neither of them have championships. Ooh, I'm a I'm a huge Iverson fan. I love AI, but I don't I don't know I don't know who I would pick first. Depending depending on what I need, depending on how I want to run my team. If if I want my lead guard to do the scoring, and I got a solid number two that's a great defensive player, yeah, but. If I'm running, if I'm running a traditional offense, I wouldn't mind having Chris Paul leading the show. Chris Paul is tremendous. Oh, I mean, so is Russell Westbrook. So is James Harden. But the problem is, is he you falls like into- Harden? I love Harden. <laughs> I love Harden. I mean, look, there, but he's a guy that you're probably not going to win a ring with him being. You're not going to build a championship team around him. He's going to have to be one of the big three on your roster. But like, he's the guy in Houston, and that's the problem in Houston. That's the problem in Houston is he's the the guy. Russell Westbrook, he's the guy in Oklahoma City. That's the problem there. Um there's just certain guys that you just need they need to be a part of a of a of a you know of a group that's gonna lead the way. And they can't lead. That's James Harden's problem. All right, let's do it. Start, bench, cut. James, Russ, Chris. That's what we'll do to open up the five o'clock hour. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. ESPN app. Confused by this. It's a mystery. How is it that Dabo Swinney, not even a week after Drew Brees finds himself in the crosshair? Could your car use a spring cleaning? Now's the time to stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for great deals on everything you need to keep your car looking new. Like Mother's California Gold Wash and Wax, just $4.99 for a 64-ounce bottle. That's a $6 savings. Or online at O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Foot odor throwing you off your game? Stick to a winning game plan with Odor Eaters, featuring three advanced odor and wetness fighters. The lineup provides long-lasting odor control plus more to keep your feet on their game. Odor Eaters powder provides outstanding moisture control. Clear drying spray is the... Kenner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton.
everybody. Welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. 457-9464. The phone line's open because we got into a conversation that somehow steamrolled into, uh, you know, Chris Paul, me. I I think Chris Paul's overrated. And then Kevin and I got to talking about our, our, you know, some of the most overrated players in the league. You have your five. It's okay if you don't. But uh, we I got we, three so far. So, and I'll go through my list now. But we're curious. Four five seven nine four six four. Um, you know, someone says NBA. Really? Well, hey, you know, you're the same person two days ago that said stick to sports. Now you're bitching because we're talking NBA. You got to be kidding me. You can't have it both ways. My goodness. Just turn it off then. I mean, I don't know what you, you know. It is what it is. Top five most underrated players in the National Basketball Association today. Current players. Oh, underrated. Underrated. Oh, underrated. Okay. Oh, overrated. Overrated. My bad. Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> okay. Overrated. All right. Cool. Overrated. Yes. Top five overrated players in the NBA today. Those players that I, I'm so sick of every time I turn on the TV. Uh, I'm just tired uh, of hearing about you know, the, these players who are being deemed oh, the, the greats of today. I will say this. Like, I do believe uh, that the NBA, like, when people say, oh, that LeBron couldn't play in the 90s, that's the biggest, that's the biggest bunch of BS I've ever heard in my life uh, because I don't think basketball in the 90s was that great. Sure, you had the greatest dynasty of all time in NBA history. I'm not going to debate that. But at the same time, I don't believe that the talent was better in the 90s than what it is today. With that being said, yes, with the, the typical, the boring arguments of, oh, well, which rules are we playing by? You know, physical in the 90s, not physical. Give me a break. We're throwing that out the window. Bottom line is, there are players in the NBA today that I look at and say, oh, these players would definitely kick ass in the 90s, and the great players in the 90s would kick ass in the game today. But as far as the players that in the game today that we sit there and we look at and we try to say that, oh, these players are as good as the stars of the 90s, no. Here's my overrated list as far as I'm concerned. Some of these are really good players who I don't think are bad, but I don't think that they're on that elite status marker that we like to put a lot of them on. I'm going to start with this one right off the bat, Joel Embiid. I cannot stand Joel Embiid. Uh, I think any guy that does not care enough about the game to make sure that he is in shape, the fact that a team has to worry about what kind of shape he's in in the middle of the season because he's just not taking it serious. Um, I'm not mad that the guy, you know, what I loved about him was the fact that he did, he broke down in tears at the end of the playoffs last year when they got eliminated. That was my favorite thing about him, actually, because I kind of like that. I like that, you know, when you get to the pros, my biggest complaint about the pros today is that it's just a job and it is a job to those pro athletes and you're making millions of dollars and that's what irritates me is because i feel like as fans we care about the outcome and we care about the games more than some of the athletes themselves that's the vibe i get i know if you talk to athletes that's not always the case you know it eats them alive it's just not every player is going to break down in tears after a game. Mm-hmm. But think back to when you're in high school, when you're in college, and some of the games that you've played, you know how emotional you get after a loss? Some are more than others. Joel Embiid, I loved what I saw you know, from him after the playoffs last year. He became a, lot of, he became a part of a lot of crying Jordan memes and all that stuff, and then that's what you get. But I love that he showed that he cared. But that doesn't match up with the work ethic that he puts into the game. And we keep talking about he's the best center in the game today. No one cares about centers in the game today. You know, he would get, if you want to talk about players that'd be eaten alive in the 90s, that's Joel Embiid. <laughs> Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, Kemp would eat him alive. I mean, Carl Malone, who's not even a center, would eat him alive. So I don't want to, and Tim Duncan, uh, you know, uh, 
Robertson, everybody. Th- those guys would eat him alive. So I'm not a big fan of the Joel Embiid hype. Uh, is he good for a center today? Yeah. That's like saying, okay, I'm tall for a fifth grader. What is that? I mean, that doesn't mean anything uh, when you're 30 years old. And it doesn't mean anything that you're good for a center uh, in the NBA today. It doesn't mean anything uh, when the game doesn't care about that. If anything, you're a liability. Second most overrated player in the NBA to me is Ben Simmons. I loved Ben Simmons in college. I thought that his upside, you know, people kept saying, like, you know, he had a body similar to LeBron James coming into the league, uh, that he ran the floor like LeBron. He saw the floor like LeBron, and I loved that about him. I was bummed that we didn't get to see him really on full display in the NCAA tournament. Um, but the fact that you're in the league this long and you can't shoot a three and you're a point guard, that's a problem. You can't, you don't, I mean, what are you doing in the offseason? But he's 6'10". It's all that I mean. Yeah, no kidding. But but here's the problem: you have a old school post player in Joel Embiid who's never in shape. You know, I love Joel Embiid's style. I love the old school post player. That's his game, but that's not who he is. He he wants to be that, but he doesn't have the work ethic to back it up. So you have an old school center that doesn't fit in today's NBA with the point guard who doesn't fit in today's NBA either because you don't shoot the three and you can't shoot at all. The fact that defenses pack the paint, not because they're afraid of Joel Embiid in the paint, because they don't respect the three-point shooting ability of Ben Simmons. I just think that we've seen this this act too long, uh, where he has come along now. That that that's a team that should have been in the finals last year. That team should not have lost to the uh, to the Raptors, a Raptors team that was the NBA champion. Don't get me wrong, they're good. But you built the team around Simmons and Embiid, and you couldn't get it done. I'm sorry, uh, overrated as well. Um, current players. This player I'm actually a fan of in his current role. I think he's playing this role at a, at a very high level and have actually become more fond of, of him in the league now than when he was a star player with the Orlando Magic. Dwight Howard. I can't stand Dwight Howard. I think he's one of the most overrated players in NBA history. Uh, you know, he led his team to the NBA Finals, obviously, uh, when they lost to the Lakers. But... I lost all respect for Dwight Howard when he did go to L.A., and that's a prime example of how soft players are today. So when people say certain players couldn't play in the 90s, I agree Dwight Howard's one of them because he couldn't handle that Kobe Bryant jumped his ass to say, hey, you need to work a little bit harder. Some of these athletes, that might have been the first time anyone has ever told Dwight Howard that he needed to work hard because Kobe was the first one that looked at him and said, I don't care what you've done in your past. I need you to work hard now, and that led to issues. So that was my problem with him, uh, the fact that he was injured and missed all of the the first half of the season, but his team was within a couple games uh, of a playoff spot, and he said he was too hurt to play. But then All-Star weekend that year, the last year, one of the last years Kobe was in the league, at the All-Star game, he's throwing full-court shots with that same shoulder that he said was too banged up for him to be able to play. Sorry, Dwight Howard, you're on my all-time most overrated list. Not all-time, but my most overrated list in the NBA today. Chris Paul, we talk about Chris Paul like he's the best point guard in the game today and blah, blah, blah. No championships. No championships. You know, we I can't put him in that same, you know, he's, he's in the same class as LeBron and Dwayne Wade. No, LeBron and Dwayne Wade have multiple championships. Chris Paul, no. Uh, We've seen Chris Paul go to multiple teams, and we've seen him have beef with multiple teams. That's a problem. That's an attitude problem. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a good player. I don't think you can go wrong with having him on your team. Uh, But I think to sit there and talk about him like he's one of the all-time greats, you don't have a ring, I can't put you in there. And then Kev, ready for this one? The most overrated player in the NBA today, Draymond Green. Mm. 
I like Draymond Green, too, because I think every championship team needs a personality like Draymond Green. But Draymond Green wants paid like he is a uh, like he's going to be the, the star player on a team. He can't lead a team. We saw what the Warriors look like with him on the floor. This was actually the year that he could have earned some major dollar because you didn't have Clay Thompson. Steph Curry missed a lot of time. This was his chance to shine to show that, hey, you know, we're not a finals team with me as the best player on the team, but damn it, we're still a playoff team with me as the best player on the team, and they have the worst record in the NBA. So Draymond, I think, is very overrated. I think that of the big three, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded at some point, especially depending on who they get in the draft coming up. Imagine getting an OB Toppin with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. I'm not saying you don't need Draymond. I think Draymond would help uh, Obi Toppin. But, man, I don't think you need Draymond Green to keep that dynasty going if you're the Warriors. And that is my list. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, and Draymond Green. My top five most overrated players in the NBA today. Not bad. Not bad. I I, I contemplated Joel Embiid. Yeah. For but as much love as he gets, I think that's why. If, if he didn't get as a, like if he got the same attention that Carl Anthony Towns got, which isn't much, and I like Carl Anthony Towns, which I'm based on your face, I would I wouldn't say he's overrated because we don't hear that much about Carl Anthony Towns. But as much as we hear from Joel Embiid, it's not good. Okay, fair enough. Uh, number five, Carl Anthony. Yeah, Towns. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, his a classic uh, stat stuffer? You know, uh, empty stats. For Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you know, this earlier this season, him and Joel got into it. Mm-hmm. And if we can get that out of Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, more often, often that fire, that, you know what, I'm not taking any bleep from anybody attitude, then you can get off this list. But until then, you're on this list. And, you know, maybe playing with his buddy D'Angelo Russell, former Buckeye, maybe they can work something out. But we all know when... Jimmy Butler was with the Timberwolves. He punked him. He punked him. He punked uh, Andrew Wiggins. He punked everybody. So I can't deal. My big man can't be out here being soft and being punked by a six-five guard. I can't have that. Number four for me, John Wall. I used to be a huge John Wall fan. I thought, you know, I contemplated him too. I thought about putting him on there over Dwight Howard just because he's closer to his prime than Dwight Howard is. But yeah. Yeah, and for me, for John Wall, it's as simple as this, man. When he got paid his big check, his big contract with the Wizards, he came in the next season not out of shape. He came in fat. There's a difference between being out of shape and being fat. What we're going to see out of the NBA on July 31st is dudes out of shape, out of basketball shape. Oh, I got to work myself into shape. I got to run some more. I got to get in basketball shape. He was fat. He was fat. I don't do fat point guards. And him being fat led him to be hurt. So he claims he's in better shape now. He's 100%. We'll see, not this year, obviously, but the following season if he can get off this list. Number three for me, Ben Simmons, for much of the same reasons. It's it's 2020. You know, we can talk about how the NBA was in the 90s and this, that, and the third. That's cool and everything and how today's game is. But you have to make adjustments for today's game. You know, we talked about like, oh, man, Michael Jordan, he only shot 30% for three-point land. I believe a Michael Jordan will be able to adjust his game. Oh, LeBron, he will be soft. He couldn't play tonight. LeBron James is 6'6", 260 pounds. He would adjust. Ben Simmons has yet to adjust to today's NBA, and he's a product of today's NBA. Can't shoot. I can't, you, I can't do nothing with you. 
you can't shoot at all. Like, not even just saying, like, oh, man, you can't shoot threes. You can't shoot a 15-footer. Not good. And here, here's where the controversy starts, and this is where the phone lines are going to attack me. Number two, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is not a good basketball player. I don't care that he hit the biggest shot in Cleveland Cavaliers history. Look at what he does on the court. Look what he does to teams. Look at his attitude. He's not a leader. He's not a good basketball player. If you want to go back to the uh, the following season after the Cavaliers won, he hit that amazing shot over Steph to win the Cavaliers the title. They're down two games to Golden State. KD hits a three, inbounds to Kyrie. He dribbles 25 times and jacks up a step back three. LeBron James is the best basketball player on earth. Top two, whatever how you want to put it. LeBron James, he never even looked at LeBron James, never even set, set up a play. He just dribbled, 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 step back. Brick. Rebound, foul, two free throws, Cavs get swept. Kyrie Irving is an overrated basketball player. And the most overrated basketball player in the NBA currently is James Harden. I don't care what his stats say. He could average 50 points a game. I don't care. Because when it's go time, when it's go time, when we need you in the playoffs, you don't do it. Hence, when they played the Warriors and you're up 15. Oh, there's a certain point guard on that team, too. No, no, no. Chris Paul. No, he was hurt. Chris Paul was hurt. Chris Paul didn't not play reliable. that game. That is not reliable. Chris Paul didn't play in that game. They were up 15 points and... Matter of fact, when Chris Paul was there, they were up three games to two. He got hurt in the game that they won, and then the Rockets lost the next two games. Yeah, but I think you take James Harden out, they lose the next two games too, even if I, Chris Paul's playing. I, I don't think so. Oh, we, I know so. Chris Paul has proven his entire career that when he's the guy, they don't win. What would make that different? When Chris Paul was guarding Steph, Steph was on clank-clank. Mm-hmm. When... James, <laughs> but you know what I mean. When James Harden started guarding Steph, that's when Steph caught flames. Not fire, he caught flames. James Harden is a horrible defensive player. Uh, I mean, the stats say one thing. If you actually watch the game, you see something totally different. I can't stand a dude that's just going to put on a dribbling exhibition and say, look at me, look at me, step back three. Uh, and all these phantom fouls, look, man, that is not going to win you a championship. Play some team basketball. This whole notion of all, all we do is shoot threes and layups. Okay. Keep trying that. Because you know what? Whenever the Golden State Warriors needed a bucket, they didn't jack up a three. Hey, you 35, go get us a bucket in the post. Turn around, jumper, bang. Hey, you. Well, that's easy when hey, you got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson hey, on the you, outside. Hey, you. Hey, you 23 with the Cavs or Lakers or number six with the Heat. Go get us a bucket. Okay, I'm going to drive it. I'm going to pull up a jump shot. I'm not going to shoot a step back 40-foot three off of one leg and look at the referee and say, I got fouled. No, not happening. James Harden is overrated. I, I, I agree with you he's overrated. Number I, one. I, I take offense to the tone in your voice, though. Dude. I, I agree with you. He's overrated. Dude. But you are very, very Dude. just, uh. You're saying hey, in your chest you know today, what? you're very you know fired what? up. That's, you you know, about to be pissing who I'm going to add to my honorable mention list, too, here in a second. You know, it, it really, he really almost got number two. But I'm not going dis- to totally disrespect Kyrie Irving and put him number one because I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan at all. But 
he has a championship, and he's a major reason they got a championship. Yeah, it's funny. Last night they were airing the uh, Spurs. Uh, Cavs game was disappointing about the Kyrie thing. I'm not going to argue with you on that. He wasn't on my list, but he, that man, he was good with with the Cavs. His mm-hmm. be, his best two years in the NBA were those back to the first two years that he played with LeBron. Yep. That first year he got hurt and didn't get to play in the finals, but that second year, man, he was he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Kyrie was legit. Uh, and then I think that's what got to his head when he believed, when they won that championship and he played. I mean, I think the thing is he played balls to the wall and he looked like a superstar. And I think what got to him was his ego couldn't allow the fact that it was about LeBron winning his third ring. It was about LeBron bringing the championship to Cleveland. Kyrie, I think, felt, man, I was drafted by Cleveland. I was a part of all the losing. And then, you know, we win a championship. But the story is all about LeBron coming back to bring us a championship, which, Kyrie, that is what happened. Let's just be clear because you weren't going. You've proven even post-LeBron that. You look, your teams look, your teams post LeBron look like pre LeBron when you were with the Cavs. They're not good. I'm a Kyrie fan from those two years, but uh, yeah, we keep having these seasons where it's the same thing every single year. My honorable mention, if we get one, and I'll give you one too, and I'm surprised that between the 10 picks we've had, some overlap, but no Russell Westbrook. I found that interesting. Uh, He might be your honorable mention. I don't know. Uh, But you ready for this one? Dame Lillard is my (laughs) Dame Lillard. Is my overrated time to one. go to break? <laughs> if you're a superstar like you, he likes to say he is, win it, win it, win it, win it. They lost to the Golden State Warriors twice. Okay, so you're not Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. That's what you prove. He got busy. He got, got busy. busy. He got busy. I just saying, Dame I'm Dollar. Just Dame, I would take Dame over Kyrie. I'm agree with you uh, on that. Over, over a lot of dudes. I don't think Dame is like uh, top 10 in the league, but he's sure top 15. I love Dame. I love Dame's game. Uh, I love just a lot the, of really good guards in the league. I he's, lo- just one of the be- he's just one of the good guards in the league. He's not leading a team to a championship. We'll see. I mean, I've seen Steph Curry do it. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. I, I'm, he's, Lillard's not Steph Curry. But this time, this time last year, you couldn't say that because they took him to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. So just because this season isn't over, so they make the playoffs, and then what? And then, what do you mean, then what? I mean, if Portland makes the play, I mean, let's be clear, if they make the playoffs, that means Dame is going crazy again. And there's no excuse, by the way, because you have, you know, you got Trevor Reza, which is, again, not your secondary guy, but like as far as that lockdown defender, I know he's older, but Carmelo, Carmelo's not Carmelo of old, but he's not old Carmelo either. He kind of had like a, you know, and who, I, who knows how he's going to be impacted by that. Hassan Whiteside, eh, this isn't a championship team, but again. I believe if Nurkic, Leonard, in the West. And I believe that if LeBron had Kevin Durant the last couple of years, that LeBron wins all the championships. <laughs> so for, for, my, for my honorable mention, it's tough. It's between two guys. It's between Gary Harris Jr. and Devin Booker. Devin Booker, I've seen a few people message that in. Devin Booker's on theirs. Uh, I'm not. Well. I, I really don't. I really don't have anything against either. Most of these dudes, I, I have something against, just because maybe it's the way they play basketball and they can't do certain things on the floor. I really don't have anything against them. Um, but no, not not Gary Harris. I'm sorry, Jamal Murray is who I meant. Jamal Murray with Denver. Um. So it's kind of between them. I would go with just say Jamal Murray. Dame ate him up in the playoffs, by the way. All right, Lamar. <laughs> Lamar messaged us in, and I actually, you know, interesting take here. Kevin Durant. 
To be fair, don't laugh at, at Lamar because the thing is, Lamar. We're only talking about Kevin Durant because all the championships he has because he went to a seventy-win team. Let's just be clear. Like Durant, talent-wise, we know what he has, but he didn't, I mean, oh, he's looked as the best player on the team that won those championships. I get that, but like the Warriors had already won one before you got there. You've heard the same tired arguments before. But Lamar says, with the floor spacing and non-ball dominant point guard, he looks like a god. A ball dominant point guard in Westbrook, he couldn't win. I expect the same with Kyrie. He may not win the East. That's so. a that's a fair that's fair that's a very fair so criticism. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Kevin Durant doesn't win a title the rest of his career. I'm a Kevin Durant fan, but my dislike for Kyrie Irving makes me not like <laughs> Kevin Durant. Like it's easy to to not judge Kevin Durant right now, but I'm telling you, if Kevin Durant goes the rest of his career because everyone's like he's the best player in the game today. You know, it's him and Kawhi. I mean, the argument is basically between LeBron, Kawhi, and, and Kevin Durant. Yeah. He's the best player in the game today. Moving forward, if he doesn't win a championship the rest of his career, I'm I me, because, you know, I have all this weight, apparently, <laughs> I'm nullifying his, his previous two championships. They don't count. They don't count. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. For the ones we trust to always be there. For the ones caring for others. For the ones who keep things going, no matter where they are. In extraordinary times, extraordinary people step up, like the ones standing guard and standing on the front lines, and the ones who are staying apart while still working together. With your efforts, we will get through this. We're grateful for all you do. Visit Granger.com for resources that can help as you create your recovery plan. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here at AutoZone, we're all about helping you get what you need to keep life moving. Like for that next oil change. Right now, you can get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic Motor Oil, an STP Extended Life Oil Filter, and a Monster Energy Drink. All for just $33.99. The Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Date, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Um, like we don't have the 1410 ESPN radio app anymore, um, but uh, for those who still have the app, it's funny that people still use the feature that we used to implement on the show all the time, the talkback feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because we don't really do anything with that anymore, but it's funny we still get some of the messages. Uh, so for those of you who still have that app and you want to leave a note on the talkback, we still get it. Uh, Kev, you got called out, man. <laughs> You got called out. You, yeah. were, you know, you do you. And by the way, and I and make sure you leave your name because whoever left the message on the app, you never told us your name. But I'm going to give a little background to this. They they questioned Kev's hatred for Duke, North Carolina players, and he started saying, "What are you talking about? He is a, uh, he is a Syracuse fan. Yeah, so, so he has an Duke. ACC bias. As no, far no, as no, that's no, 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 no. There is no ACC bias over here." Syracuse belongs in the Big East forever. I am not an ACC basketball fan at all. I know that's the point. It's the <laughs> it's all. the opposite of bias. It's the you know, <laughs> I, it's the jealousy of the real teams in the ACC. I, I despise Syracuse being in the ACC. But he brought up the fact that I had uh, John Wall, Carl Anthony Towns, and my top five overrated players. And my honorable mention was Murray, who was also a Kentucky player. You know what? Oh, Kentucky, not yeah. okay. They weren't ACC teams. Yeah, I, mean, I thought he meant North Carolina. But he, he asked if I was a North Carolina fan or a Duke fan. Never a Duke fan. Ever. Oh, so I misunderstood. Okay, okay, okay. But you know what? After thinking about it, my honorable mention is no longer Jamal Murray. No longer Jamal Murray. It is the one and only Draymond Green. Well, you know, I will say this: I left. Uh, I left a player off my list because I thought I forgot that he was not done in the league. Carmelo is still playing. Mm-hmm. Carmelo deserves to be on the overrated list. 
without may, a shadow may, of a doubt. Maybe of like all time, but like of right now, like people aren't like, oh man, Melo well, dropped twenty last night. No, oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 it's like it's the Dwight Howard rule. That's okay. why I remember at the beginning when I said maybe I wouldn't put him on. You know, no, I feel bad putting him on my list now because I think for him accepting his role as a role player, like Dwight Howard on the Lakers right now, dude, he's he's fantastic. Uh, and I give him credit because he was one of the bigger ego guys in the league, and he's been able to finally, after you know, being he's been bounced around from team to team. He wasn't easy to play with. I think it really was a hum. I think he had to be humbled over the last couple of years because he was. You hear players around the league say he was very difficult to play with. I give him credit doing something that superstars struggle doing, accepting your new role. When you do that, you're able to prolong your career. Allen Iverson couldn't do it. That's why right. he finally. It's not like he didn't have the talent. He did. He didn't know how to adapt his game. Uh, to a lesser role to facilitate with others. That's why he had to get out of the game. Tracy McGrady did it. He accepted the fact that he wasn't a 25-a-night guy. Uh, Vince Carter did it. Vince Carter just finished playing 22 seasons. I feel bad for him, by the way. Uh, but 22 seasons he wrapped up because he was able to adapt to extend his career. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan did the same thing. When great players are able to do that, they can extend their career. That year, MJ retired with the Wizards. He didn't have to retire. We said he could. He needed to retire because we were worried about his legacy. And in fact, many people said he shouldn't even have came back to begin with because of that. But MJ could have played another couple years in the league yep. and gave you your 15 to 18 a night, and he would have been one of the best 15 to 18 night of guys. Like MJ could have easily played two to three more years, easily. It had, but again, some, and I'm not knocking him for it. He just couldn't get. I mean, and I'm glad he didn't because I didn't want to watch MJ be the best 15 to 18 points. <laughs> game so you know what I mean. Uh, but no, Dwight Howard accepted that he's changed his role, and for what his role is, he's one of the best in the league. Car- you're right, Carmelo. I'm going to give him that same treatment. Uh, but you're right. Overall, I, yeah. I thought that Carmelo got way too. Actually, I think he deserved all the attention he got. He just never lived up to it. Dwight Howard. I mean, yeah, I was never a big Dwight Howard guy. I think the thing with Melo, I think he got uh, the exact amount of love and praise he deserved. But when you are basically the next guy to the best player in the world in LeBron James, people are looking at you like, well, shoot, y'all best friends, y'all boys, y'all came in the draft class together. You even went to college. What's the problem? How come you can't win? Get a championship. They ran into the Lakers during Kobe's second stint, mm-hmm. and then they ran into LeBron when he was with the the Knicks, and we all know how great of a franchise the Knicks is, and then the wheels fell off in OKC, and now he revitalized his career with Portland. You know, the shooting percentage is back up. He's in, well, when the season was going on, in good shape and everything like that. So it's it, I would agree, like, all time, yeah, Melo deserves to be in there, but like right now, like current, like he's actually overachieving based on the expectation because people thought, oh, we'll give this uh, ten games and yeah. see what goes, and now he's a starter, so got to give him that. As well, far as half the team's hurt, that's why I started. No, <laughs> all right, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. We'll step away for a few moments. When we come back, uh, I want to get back into the Joe Mixon conversation with the Bengals. Don't go anywhere. That was your coming of age movie. I graduated in 99, so American Pie did that for me. Van Wilder was for another generation. You're simply a, a, a victim of your, 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 your age. Were you, you past that? Uh-huh. Can Old I change my vote from last and, place now to School of Rock? <laughs> 
Save today on your next project with 11% of everything. Now at Menards. Menards has what you need to start and finish your projects. Plus, you'll save 11% on all of it. Menards offers contactless pickup. Order and pay for your items online. And we'll load you. Kenner Show right here on ESPN Dayton. 1410 Wing AM. Heard a report today that uh, Tyson Fury and Wilder, that part three will happen this year. In fact, they're looking, they want to get that in this year. And uh, they are right now exploring, um, right now kind of meeting with different venues because they want fans in attendance for it. Like they don't want this to be. and 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 I agree. I said that there are some things, like I know we're starving for sports and we're starving for, for those big events like that. But there are just some things that, in my opinion, I believe that I would rather just hold off. By the way, I will say this. Like, it's tough not having sports right now, but I don't think people realize just how amazing the fall is going to be. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to be awesome. Like, it, it, like right now, you know, I got to thinking earlier. I'm like, man, like I'm having a blast. Right? I mean, anytime you look, I talk sports for a living, man. Like, my life's really not that hard. Uh, but uh, come the fall, it's going to be just so. There's going to be just. Everything in the world going on at one time, it's just going to be a blast. Uh, and that's what I can't wait. I mean, the fact that you're going to have, and usually you do have Buckeyes, Browns, Bengals all going on at the same time. But you're also going to have the NBA. You're also going to have the NHL. Uh, you're going to have Major League Baseball, possibly. So you're going to have everything at your fingertips. And that's what I'm excited about. Uh, and, and I can't wait. And a lot of things right now, it's that right now it's that typical offseason conversation for football. Um you know, and I think baseball is trying to avoid some of the COVID talk as far as the the COVID impact on seasons starting up. Um, in regards to like you know focusing to the NBA, okay, the NBA is returning. Here's what to look for with the NBA coming back as far as you know the underrated, overrated players, the team, you know, most pressure coming back, that type of thing. The NBA is okay; like they're coming back, man. They're they're in good shape. They're 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 fine. They've already announced when they're coming back. It just sucks for us because we have a long time to wait between now and then as far as that um, is concerned. Major League Baseball, though, concerns me. And, Kev, on that bottom right uh, one right there, the bottom right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan gave an interesting update on where we are at within Major League Baseball's ongoing negotiations with the Major League Baseball Players Association. Here's ESPN's Jeff Passan. I look back at May 12th. It was about a month ago now. And Major League Baseball was about to go to the players, never did, but wanted to go to the players and say, Let's do a 50-50 revenue split. Let's just cut all the money we make this year right down the middle, split it evenly. The players said, no way, no chance, that reeks of a salary cap. Here we are almost a month later, Greeny, and yesterday's proposal, if it really played out to fruition, all the playoffs were played, players would make $1.43 billion. Do you know how much money Major League Baseball... That is, I mean, there's a lot of frustrating things about this entire thing. Uh, we had a caller earlier that was talking about, you know, the, the COVID impact on the season. And the bottom line is, is I talk, I continue to talk about baseball struggles to come back. Folks, he just gave a 60 second update on where we were at, on where we are at as far as this is concerned. Kevin, there's no COVID in there. <laughs> this isn't a COVID issue. Like, College football, like we're reporting on how they're reporting to the Woody Hayes Center. Everyone has masks. Like that's all COVID. Yeah. You know, uh, UCF, three players test positive, isolation. That's COVID talk. Like, and, and fine, that's, that's the reality of sports. There, and for everyone out there that has been saying, I'm tired of hearing about COVID 19 every time I turn on the sports show. Folks, COVID 19, the whole reason that there's no sports right now is because of that. I mean, that's a given. Like, how you can't, like, if you think that there's a, that there's a line between the two, there's not. 
You know, I like, you know, even with, with Black Lives Matter and everything going on right now, when people get so angry about that, and I, I'm like, and still to this day, I've never understood why people who are saying that, hey, we should protest police brutality, why that's a bad thing. I think that's one of the few things in life that, hey, police, can you stop killing unarmed black guys? Oh, yeah, we're on the same page on that. And somehow that's still creating like this big divide in our country. And it, it, to me, it's fascinating. Um, we, we posted the, the Black Lives Matter thing on the page the other day and bunch of people put angry faces on it what, what, what are you angry about oh i just hate i hate when people are trying to end racism that nothing pisses me off more than when we try to end racism it cracks me up man Strange. like it, and i don't mean i'm not making light of it but it, it, it amazes me like there are some things that i'm going to post and i'm like yeah i think this is not going to get a, a good reaction that's something i should be able to post and put out there and say hey let's our goal is to end racism. That's one of those where I expect like everyone to like it and put a smiley face and enjoy. And then there's other people like, no, they're gone. They're just, they're, here we go again, <laughs> trying to end racism. Nothing pisses me off more than trying to end racism. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. That ain't going anywhere. It's not. I mean, that's the problem. What I mean by that is like the, the talk of it's not going anywhere, and it shouldn't. And you shouldn't want it to end. You should want it to continue to be talked about so that it, we can put an end to it. Because the longer you remain racist and the longer that you remain putting up with racist behavior, the longer we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll never forget. I never. I mean, I was a kid. My mom was on me. Clean your room. Clean your room. Clean your room. Okay. When I get home from work or get home from school, mom, I'll clean it. Okay. Get home from work or get home from school. Didn't clean my room. And one time I popped off at my mom and she popped me in the mouth and I said, Mom, will you just leave me alone about my damn room? I'm tired of hearing about my room. And she said, if you just clean your damn room, you won't have to hear about it. Well, that's what I'm telling everybody. If you just stop being, not everyone's racist, that's not what I'm accusing everyone of, but if we just stop the the, the, the BS approach to, to stop, you know trying to deflect everything, if we just stop being racist, guess what? We don't have to hear about it. <laughs> so put your clothes away. Do you, you know what I mean? Clean your room. Clean your, room. clean your room clean your minds you know cleanse your souls how about that that's all we need to do moving forward you know keith byers said something on monday that really stuck out to me it's a difference between uh keeping this movement going and how you keep this movement going and not letting it just fade away like others have is making sure you're a registered voter voter mm -hmm. uh actually using your vote and actually doing the research to know what issues are on the ballot so I know I'm I'm cool with everybody protesting, especially the peaceful protests that have definitely been happening in our community and all over the world for the last uh, week. Um, keep the protests going, but also make sure you are a registered voter and get your vote on. And also something I also want to push to everybody that has been involved with a protest. Go get a COVID-19 test because, you know, you probably were in the house for like two months and then out of the blue, you're around. About 100 to 1,000 people. So you never know what someone else may have. So go ahead, get your COVID test, and make sure you're registered to vote. There you go. Again, uh, four five seven nine four six for by the way, Justin Kinner, Kev Good, Nash with you, you here uh, here on a Tuesday. And by the way, we're excited that, that the weather cleared up. So it looks like, you know, speaking of that, I'm back to, I have to cut the grass now, Kev. How do you bring it up cutting the grass? <laughs> well, if you just cut the grass, we will, I won't have to yell at you anymore about cutting the grass. Uh, so there you go, uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, four five seven nine four six four. Is this the guy? Indeed. All right, Dickie, how are you, buddy? Hey, Justin. How are you? Okay, how are you? Good. You didn't get stuck in the rain, did you? No, no. I, I'm trying to get my... Um, I went to a place, you know, I'm sort of jet lag because I can't play. I was taped. I went to a place in West Carrollton. I'm going to 
get my stereo fixed. Well, how far from West Carrollton do you live that you're jet lagged, man? I thought you were about to say you flew lagged, somewhere. But I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm trying. I've been on the computer listening to music. You know, all the bluegrass and there you go, banjo music. You know, because we haven't <laughs> practiced so long. I, I missed. You're getting withdraws, man, aren't you? Yeah. Do you have yeah. any update? When hey, are you going to get to get together ask again? You, um, what's the situation about? You know, I've been. I've been getting the paper. The sports is lousy, but uh, <laughs> what's the situation about baseball? Have you heard anything? Absolutely. There's. I mean, look there. Well, we just uh, aired the clip from ESPN's Jeff Passan. Uh, you know, at the very beginning, they were talking about, uh, you know, the league was willing to propose a 50-50 um, revenue split. And the league said, no, that sounds too much like a salary cap, which is hilarious to me because it's a one-year adjustment. It's not like a salary cap set for the next 10 years with the collective bargaining agreement. Bottom yeah. line is, they're going back and forth, Dickie, and they've yet to be able to come up with a solution that makes both sides happy. Uh, and it's really inconvenient because it's really unfortunate. Every other league has been able to get something done. And here's yeah. Major League Baseball fighting over pennies on the dollar during the pandemic. Do you think there'll be baseball for the Reds or the Indians? Oh, man, I want to say yes. But there's too many guys that are way smarter than me and know a lot more than me that talk to a lot more people than I do that have said, hey, I, it doesn't sound too good. But I'm going to remain positive and say, yes, I believe there will be baseball, but there's still a lot I of obstacles. About, you say about July 17th, maybe, or 30th? I mean, I would hope. If, if there's no baseball by the end of July, Dickie, there's no baseball all year. Yeah, it's yeah, too bad. It's sort of, it's sort of disgusting, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because this I isn't mean, even we're, about we're the virus. All this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I absolutely. mean, you know, it's just not right not to have the Reds or you know listening to Brennan and and Chris Welch and everybody. You know what I mean? Uh, there's nothing like listening to baseball outside in your backyard on a hot summer day, man. Grilling, having a beer in your hand. I mean, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see what else I was going to say. Yeah, I tell you what. We, uh, I told you last weekend, of course, it's going to, you know, slow down now, but I think Lowe's has set a record for sales. You know what I mean? That's excellent. That's, That's excellent. Good. That's all you. Yeah, yeah. And, it's your uh, customer service, Dickie. Yeah, well, thank you. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm sort of uh, hoping, you know, I'm a big, you know, it's a shame UD couldn't get, get anything. Wasn't after all the, the great year they had, buddy? Oh, yeah, they, they got a really good transfer player from USC, and the the Weaver kid. Uh, he's really good. He just has to sit out here. But I'm with you. I was, I was expecting them to get more talent coming back. I saw that they uh, they ranked the A-10 early, like, you know, ranking it, kind of ranking the teams from worst to, to last, or from yeah. uh, first to last. And uh, UD's projected to be about third or fourth in the A-10 next year. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, Jalen do Crutcher coming back is key. A chance, do they ever... Uh uh, did they ever uh, talk to you? Do you ever get a chance to talk to uh, the Browns announcer, Donovan and D uh, Doug Deacon? During the, uh, yeah, Mr. Deacon, absolutely. During the season more, not really so much during the off season. But oh, during well, the offseason, yeah, they bring you up all the time. You tell them Dick from Dayton says hello, because I, I usually call up there on, uh, they have the, you know, the Sports Time Ohio show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. They know who you are. They ask about you. Huh? They ask about you. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. What they say? How's Dick from Dayton? Exactly, word for word. Really? Oh no, they no, really do. Dicky, you know how many uh, shows you call into? Everyone, know. I didn't realize how many people knew who you were until I started doing this, and everyone brings up Dick from Dayton. You call all the shows. Uh, do you uh, ever hear from uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, what uh, the, the uh, Dan Horde or Dave Lapham? Uh, Dan Horde, yes. Uh, I talked to Dan Horde, yes. In fact, Dan Horde will ever, be on here in the next ever, couple did weeks. Do you ever tell him that? Uh, 
He, he knows me, don't he? Yep. He, yep. He like, I've called him a couple times, you know? And he says that. He says, Dick from Dayton calls. But, hey, Dickie, I'm glad you called. It was great hearing your voice, but we got we to gotta call it quits today. Well, hey, I'll, I'll keep in touch. I always look forward to hearing from you. You take care. Take care. Say hello to everybody. I will. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Dick from Dayton. Always like, there's no one happier than him. The legend. No, there's no one. I mean, I don't care what mood you are in. If you're on your way home from work and you're pissed off, you've had a bad day, you listen to him, I'm, t- I'm telling you. He, he just he, he brightens the room, man. I love when he calls. All right, everybody, thank you for hanging out today. Again, subscribe, download the Justin Kinner Show in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. Check out the website. You can also find the full shows there as well as select segments, all interviews, 1410 Wing Live. Bronson Arroyo will be our next guest, and that'll be tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, and then, you know, Ken Anderson, who we just spoke to a few weeks ago, he's actually going to come on. We're going to talk about Ken Riley uh, coming up this week and Anthony Munoz. So uh, it's a big week lined up for you here as we head into the uh, to hump day tomorrow. So uh, week's moving pretty quickly. So there you go. Have a great night. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Take care. People protest against what's going on with police brutality against people of color. What would it mean to you if a team did sign Colin Kaepernick now? I don't like thinking like this, but I can't think of any other way. The NFL you know, ownership is saw it the other day. I think it's 30 white men, and then I think it's two that kind of break the mold, right? I believe that he was you know, more than good enough to be on an NFL roster. And I think the fact that, you know, he took a knee, he was just doing, you know, a peaceful protest. I think those are the reasons why he he wasn't on NFL roster. So having him sign back, that, in my opinion, is taking an action and a step in the right direction. So showing you support, you know, freedom of speech from your players and ultimately, you know, proving what Goodell and um, the NFL put out on their social media platform and saying, like, we were wrong and we stand with our players. Golik and Wingo, weekdays at 6 East. On ESPN Radio and ESPN2. An ESPN Radio Extra Point with Mike Golick, Trey Wingo, and Mike Golick Jr. It seems like Dabo isn't aware or, or aware of some things or doesn't seem aware of some things and just kind of does, you know, the coaching thing. I don't have social media. I'm a football coach. I don't know what these shows are on TV. You know what? I kind of get that feel sometimes. Players, don't get me wrong. Players love him. They love him. And and, and at some point, should we say maybe that's all that matters is that he brings players into a program and players love the way they're treated there and love the way things go there. I'm sure not 100% of players, but it just seems like sometimes the out-of-touchness of a head coach on outside issues, it gets a little tired for me, I guess. Hear more from Golick and Wingo tomorrow morning on ESPN Radio. It's time for some straight talk. Even though most live sports are on hold now, big wireless companies haven't stopped playing games. They're always trying to lock you into overpriced contracts. With Straight Talk Wireless, there are no contracts. It runs on America's best network, same as the big carriers, but you save up to 50%. 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. You might miss sports, but don't play games, you'll lose. Straight Talk Wireless. No contracts, no compromise. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 
augers, trenchers, blades, brooms, shredders, mulchers, hammers, compactors, planers, rollers, rakes. That's just a sample of the more than 100 attachments John Deere offers for skid steer and compact track loaders. The added versatility provided will help you win more jobs. And with the universal self-cleaning quick-tatch system, you can switch from one type of attachment to another in no time flat. Your John Deere dealer can help you choose the right attachments to help you run your world. Visit JohnDeere.com slash compact attachments to learn more. to get to today as we continue to look to sports that are trying to return bubble issues and training camp issues and all sorts of other issues uh, and also uh, continuing to talk about the way our sports teams coaches players and former players are intersecting with the social issues that are dominating our headlines we're going to start with the nba here on spain and company presented by progressive insurance uh, and Jordan, we talked yesterday about the policies and protocols that NBA players have yet to get much detail on in terms of uh, re-entering play and trying to finish off this season. We're getting a little bit more info about some of the things that will be at play inside this Walt Disney World bubble. And one of those, uh, according to our own Brian Windhorst on Get Up this morning, is that there will be no recreational drug testing. Here's what he said about how that might affect the future of the NBA. There is not going to be recreational drug testing in the bubble. And to be honest with you, I get it. They haven't been doing t drug testing at all during the pandemic. They are going to do testing for PEDs. But uh, the way this is looking, you are not going to be able to invite your significant other into this bubble for somewhere between six and seven weeks from when you get to Orlando till if you make it past the first round of the playoffs. And you're going to have to be tested every single day for the coronavirus and whatever version of tests that they decide to settle on. Now, could this potentially be a pathway for the legalization of marijuana in the NBA? That I can't say. There's a thousand other things that have to be negotiated, but um, you know, the NBA is trying to come to terms with the players and try to throw them a bone here. And one of the things they're going to say is, look, we're going to look the other way. Um, in a state in Florida where marijuana is not legal, but it is decriminalized and certainly will be decriminalized inside the bubble. Interestingly, Jordan, you know, Adam Silver is a very progressive commissioner, and he has said in the past his biggest concern is what message it might send to children if the NBA relaxes its marijuana policy. I would imagine in part because it would make a lot of news. If you do it now and you just kind of leave it, does it make less news that way and just sort of slip into the territory that there is, say, in MLB or NHL, where they also don't test for recreational drugs and we never talk about it, doesn't really send a message to kids at all? Yeah, it's definitely a concession, and I think it's definitely going to be something that could be a policy that becomes longstanding in the NBA. I, I think it's outdated of a of a rule. Look, is it is it decriminalized mostly everywhere for the most part? Is it legal in some states, both medicinally and recreational? Recreationally, absolutely. So I, I think this is on brand with being progressive and understanding, but I think it's also in the immediate 
to be a, a concession made for these players as they're finding out six to seven weeks, like Wendy's saying, of not being able to see her family, a lot being taken away from them uh, with the idea of being able to make this bubble work. I think that the players were probably vocal about this, something that they have been vocal about it. It started to have a grassroots feel to it. And I think some of the players that have the ear of silver said, Hey, look, this is probably something that is going to be leaned on maybe heavily for some, maybe occasionally for others, used properly. Um, it is legalized most places. What is curious, like you said, is that it's not criminalized. It's it's not legal recreationally yet, but it is decriminalized there in Florida. Uh, that does make it kind of dicey, but I think it's smart of Silver to do this. Well, the the, the expectation that players who already may be, may be using marijuana for medicinal or recreational purposes would stop doing it uh, or, or i mean would start doing it in ways that are dangerous i doubt right if you're if you've lived somewhere where it's yes. not legal you've already figured out how to use it without being obvious and you'll just continue to do that in the bubble where it is also not legal so i don't think anyone's gonna be walking around with a giant dube just like hey adam silver said it was cool <laughs> you know i think they're gonna still figure out how to make sure i mean but uh, like <laughs> but, like, keep in mind, like, Sarah, like, Steve Kerr, the, the the great coach of the Warriors, who is is very progressive, very outspoken about a lot of things, acknowledged that to deal with his back pain mm -hmm. and, and try to get through that season, he leaned on cannabis. Like, this is, I think, how people look at it. Uh, they need to be educated, and it, and it can change their views on what has been demonized for so long. But there's actually great benefits in it. And as you look at mental health, it's been a proven uh, medicine in that regard as well. So, if used properly, uh, there should be no issue with this. Agreed. And and the answer is, if, if the biggest concern was just transitioning from always having had that policy to no longer enforcing it, this might be a very easy way to say this is a different scenario, everything's different in the bubble, and then, oops-a-daisy, we forgot to put it back in when we came back to regular play. Right? It's just a, an <laughs> easy way to... That's probably the hope of a lot. Absolutely. Right. It's Spain and company, Sarah Spain, Jordan Cornett. Another issue uh, to consider as we look at this return to play and this effort to close out the 2020, well, I guess 2019-2020 season, is what does it mean for the season after? And Jordan, we've been talking about this ever since the beginning, particularly in terms of how quickly they needed to figure out what their plan was and get it going, because the longer they play into what would be the beginning of next season, the more complicated things get. And Tim Bontemps, our ESPN NBA writer, was on First Take, Your Take, talking about why the NBA doesn't want to play too deep into this year. There's also the fact that right now the Olympics are scheduled to take place next summer. Uh, and I, I think the NBA would, for a couple of different reasons, prefer to avoid going up against the Olympics head-to-head. Uh, -head. One is obviously that a lot of people watch the Olympics, uh, and you know that could potentially impact any ratings they might have on on what would be, if not NBA Finals games, certainly you know pretty deep in the playoffs games at that point. And the other thing is, the league has over 100 international players, many of whom represent their country, uh, and many of whom would be you know potentially playing in the Olympics next year. Uh, and I think that's something that they're cognizant of also. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit, being as focused on American hoops and the Olympics as I am, I mostly thought about, oh, well, our superstars don't have to play. And I'm like forgetting that for many of the international stars of the NBA, being a part of their Olympic team is a no-brainer. It's not a question mark like it is for many in America. And that will be a massive conflict next season. Yeah, especially as you look at the growing stardom of like a Luka Doncic. I mean, that is definitely going to have to be something on the radar. I I'm split on this. Absolutely would I not want to see the NBA have to compete with the Olympics. Uh, and it's 
to be honest, unknown what those Olympics are even going to look like. So you almost got to watch how much you put into the belief that this could be a stumbling block. But then I look at the opportunity as we talk about all these sports and trying to grow these sports. And the NBA has seen a surge. It's kind of stumbled a little bit, but it still very much has a dedicated fan base, and it's a great product that they deliver, and they make a lot of money. I would love to see the sport, though, be played through the summer. I would love it to compete with baseball. I think it's in a position to compete with baseball if there is a sport. Baseball is about to take a big stumble back if they don't play this year. The NBA can capitalize on competing with that season. Also, it's just the summer. It's a summer sport. I think that the eyes would grow even more if you play this deep into the summer and make that the sport you challenge for your eyes. I would like to see it play in the summer. Now, I know the players don't have that same sentiment because they want to keep their summers, but that is really enticing to me, if I'm being honest here. What would you do with the WNBA? Play it concurrently or flip it? And that is one of the great opportunities of this. I think they could be brother-sister playing alongside each other. Some of these uh, dual offerings of games, uh, back-to-back double-headers to be viewed. I think there's a real opportunity to also grow what is a great product, as you and me uh, know, Sarah, uh, me having the opportunity to call a bunch of the Chicago Sky games. Once people get their eyes on the product, they will buy in. This is an opportunity and a win for the WNBA as well. Yeah, I'd be interested to talk to them about their their feelings on it. One other note beyond the Olympics is, of course, if they still want to try to have an 82-game season for 2020 to 2021, the schedule will likely be condensed. As uh, Bontemps has reported, the Hawks GM, Travis Schlenk, said on a conference call, that's hard to say, Travis Schlenk, um, that uh, the NBA has told the league's GMs that next year's schedule will likely have a lot more back-to-backs, more four games in five nights. This is after many years of really concentrated efforts by the the NBA to avoid those, which means we're going to get back into a whole lot of conversations about load management. We're going to see a lot more stars sitting and you're not going to really have a way to fight that because it's going to be it's going to be intentional and it's going to be one of the only ways to kind of get that full season in. No question. I mean, when you're talking about the, the greatest player in your league being a LeBron James and arguably the second greatest player being Kawhi Leonard, a guy that has already been known to have to load manage. I mean, that is going to be such a critical piece to elongating a career like LeBron's, especially when you see the level of basketball he's playing right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that is going to be a huge conversation, but it will be received differently then. Totally. It will be Absolutely. more understood at and that point. Everything so. going forward is going to be reacted to differently because yes. we know what we're trying to accomplish with all the obstacles. Uh, and first, we have to get to this season and everything that comes with that. Coming up, what would it mean for Colin Kaepernick to return to the NFL at this point? We'll discuss after your Sports Center headlines brought to you by Marathon. Former NBA coach Brian Shaw has been named as the head coach of the new NBA G League team featuring elite youth prospects. UFC President Dana White told ESPN's first take his mysterious fight island is located on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. I don't know how you pronounce it, but I'm going to call it Yas Island from now on. The UFC will host four events on Fight Island next month, starting with the UFC 251 pay-per-view on July 11th. Eight days after owner James Dolan explained why his company wouldn't comment on the outrage following George Floyd's death, the Knicks team account tweeted a statement from the MSG Sports and Entertainment Company saying, quote, Every one of us has a role to play in creating a more just and equal society where there is no racism, bigotry, violence, or hate. We stand with all who act for positive change. End quote. And that was the end and entirety of the quote. These days, we have to travel smart. Marathon can help by improving engine performance with quality top-tier gasoline marathon, fueling the American spirit. More Spain and Company coming up next. 
spending a lot of time at home? Did you know you can listen to Spain and Company and all of ESPN Radio on your smart speaker? Just say, play ESPN Radio. Now playing ESPN Radio. More from Spain and Company. Coming up. I saved big money with the Progressive Home and Auto Bundle, so I finally bought that new set of golf clubs. Watch out, Fairway. Here I come. This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big with Progressive, but your other expenses won't just disappear. Are those clubs going to help you when the hot water heater dies? Also, it sounds like your money is better spent on golf lessons. Time to go shoot the course record. No, but maybe time for a reality check. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The great thing about facts? They're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pins oil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pins oil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. 